Hey, Doug. Hey, what's up? How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, brother. Uh, Dark is going to be a little bit late. Uh, He really wants to be here. Uh, He's got a family emergency going on right now. He will be checking in a little bit. No worries. Right now, we're just waiting for... Hello. Oh, Miss Sophia, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Doug, this is uh, Miss Sophia. Miss Sophia, this is Doug. Hey, Miss Sophia, this is Doug. Hi. Good to meet you. You too. Thanks for having me on. Um, Could you give us a little bit of information of uh, your background? Yeah. So my name is Sophia, and I'm a novice researcher and writer in my free time. Wonderful. Um, Yeah. What fields? Everything. Everything. Uh, <laughs> what, what do you gra- what do you gravitate towards? Um, politics specifically, but I also enjoy science, conspiracy theories, um, global politics. Uh, like for that. for politics, are you talking like are you talking like uh, in modernity, like mo- like past two hundred years politics? No, current relevant politics. Current relevant. Okay, got yeah. it. Yeah. For example, tonight, um, I'd like to discuss with you the allegations of voter fraud, the results of the Michigan forensic audit, and the latest Texas lawsuit where they, along with 18 other states, are suing four swing states for the integrity of their elections. And if time permits, I would like to discuss the latest solar wind tech. Um, that's a really big thing coming out today. What was, um, the la- what was that last thing? I couldn't catch that. The latest solar wind hack. Solar wind hack. Yeah. Have you heard about this? I don't know what a solar wind hack is, let alone a latest one. Oh boy. Um, I think we. I think big. we should just. Why don't you just start with that? Can we start with that? Well, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, breaking. Uh, so, just this week, uh, we were we received information that there was a solar wind hack. Um, so SolarWind is a software company um, that is used in the highest echelons of the government, including the White House, NSA. Um, it's used in more than 425 of the U.S. Fortune 500 companies, all 10 of the top 10 U.S. communication companies, all five branches of the U.S. military. The U.S. Pentagon, State Department, NSA, NASA, Postal Service, NOAA, Department of Justice, and the Office of the President of the United States. Um, It's on all five of the top five U.S. accounting firms, hundreds of universities, colleges worldwide. And then tonight we just learned that they broke uh, into the nuclear missiles. Okay, what 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 is SolarWind? It's a software what is it it's do? like an IT. It's an IT networking company. I E T. Yeah. India, India Echo Tango. Yeah, absolutely. What does that do? What, what's I E T? I don't even see. I'm just not. I'm not familiar with any of this, so I don't know what. Uh, I know what I O T is. What is I E T? Oh uh, no, I T. Oh, I T. Yes. Ah, okay. I got you. Got you. Okay. So basically, in their software, they slipped in a malicious code that created a backdoor into the systems, which oh, would I allow see. hackers to go in and steal sensitive data. And how, now, and how, how, did, okay. how, did, how is that confirmed that there's a backdoor? Like, how is that identified? Who identified that and when? 
the DNI director, John Ratcliffe. Oh, DNI. Okay. The ISA. They issued a warning. I think it was on Monday. They issued a warning saying, "Hey, beware! We just discovered that these hackers did it back in March, but hey, they uh, just now discovered it." Hey, Cliff, can you pull up? You have a, a computer to pull up a, yes. a solar wind, uh, or so. What is this called? Solar. Solar wind. Solar wind. wind. Yeah, solar wind. Can you pull up? Is that is that the the software name or is that the develop the development company name? I don't know. You should figure, you should you should look it up though, Cliff. You should see who that company is. Who develops? I'm it. looking it up now. Uh, Crunchbase. It, like once you find it, if you need to find uh, people, you can use Crunchbase. is pretty good for finding people. I wonder now. What do you think? So there's allegations. SolarWinds is the name of the company. SolarWinds Inc. Okay, who's the? Uh, can you find the uh, the corporate staff of that? Like, who's the founder or the corporate staff currently? Uh, CEO is Kevin B. Thompson. Founders are Donald Yance and David Yance. Uh, are they in anything else? Do they have any background with anything else? Did they move over there from somewhere prior to that? Well, I'm going to take a look right now. What's interesting, though, is we believe they discovered this hack in November. Because they started selling all their shares. Yeah. Right after likely. the election. That would make sense. That, that and, would make a lot of sense. And what's really important, though, is, you know, we have this election fraud thing cases going on. But SolarWinds uh, does Dominion software as well. So they have connect connections to the Dominion software. What is it? Wait, 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 as, oh, hang on. Hang on. What's the Dominion software? If, if a listener doesn't know, isn't familiar with that at all. Just pretend like they've never okay. they've never heard of it and they're... Uh, fairly IT illiterate. Okay. So Dominion is a voting system. It's a Canadian-owned company with global subsidiaries. It is owned by Staple Street Capital, which in turn is owned by UBS Securities, LLC, of which three of their seven board members are Chinese nationals. The uh. Dominion software is licensed from Smartmatic, which is a Venezuelan-owned and controlled company. And Dominion server locations have been determined to be in Serbia, Canada, U.S., Spain, and Germany. Hmm. From what I'm seeing, uh, this has basically been their their only thing that they've uh, had their hands on since about 2001. Hmm. And when do they get access into the? Uh, when do they go like full blown? I'm the U.S. government now, uh, servicing the U.S. government. Like from the get go, uh, looks like around 2015. Oh, okay. So who is your customer? Who's their their clientele before that? Before they get governmental access, the contract. Uh, it looks like uh, they were doing uh, trace route and ping uh, uh, ping sweeps earlier. I thought you, uh, I thought you were gonna say. I thought you were gonna say Microsoft Paint. No, <laughs> they, were, they were doing a lot. They were going hard in the paint. Yeah, they were going hard in the paint, and then now they're, uh, you know, now they're doing basically uh, web-based uh, network performance monitoring and applications is oh. what it's looking like. Oh, okay, so they're doing like SEO tool development and shit and analytic stuff. Yeah, hmm. it's vague. Okay, I don't know. I just, what do you think about all of this? Uh, Sophia, what do you think about all this uh, 
I mean, the hacking stuff, you know, and the Chinese nationals. I mean, how how are you familiar with this? With uh, like uh, kind of uh, the type of difficult stuff that we talk about. <laughs> Hopefully, I, I briefly gave her a little oversight on what we talk about. Okay, um, and uh, Miss Sophia sounded uh, to be very enthused uh, on breaking off on some of these uh, these conversations. Also, okay, so so the the uh, like the hacking stuff is uh it's very convenient you know what i mean it's just a very uh now i don't now when i say convenient what i mean is that uh you know it's becoming like now that we're now that we're uh as a society as a global society moving into like uh an entirely i don't know what you would call it it's like a it's like a uh new generation technology uh cloud 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 exchange where everything you know you've got you know, you've got Amazon providing, uh, you know, recurring contracts to, you know, gu- you know uh, independent executive agencies, and you've got total intermixing between um, international corporate, uh, you know, responsibility for the security of national security, you know, and that's like that everywhere. And it really seems, you know, like when you, when you kind of look at it from a big picture, it really seems like, uh, you know, we're really getting uh, our pants not only pulled down, but like tied around our head like a silly hat. Yeah, absolutely. Does that make any absolutely. sense? Does that make any sense? Or you get what I'm of saying? Of course it does. Like, like the United States uh, as a nation would suffer any consequence of, uh, you know, total uh, <laughs> just ineptitude and being like, uh, you know, a f- being inadequate for uh defending itself or even being capable of recognizing a threat and uh the consequence would be entirely the united states people to bear but it's not the united states people that's you know <laughs> designing the, yeah yeah we're, we're not designing anything where it's kind of like we're hands off and it's uh other countries you know it's like giving russia the ability to monitor our um our uh, intel and our communications with our military and our government during the cold war outsourcing to them. I see it. I, right. I see it almost like, uh, you know, like if a person, if, if uh, what a difficult topic, I see it like if a person is a, a, you know, has a private interest that the private interest supersedes the notion of uh, nation state recognition. Does that make sense? Like money talks, money talks and always talks and people don't give a shit about nation states because they're, you know, people are corrupt. And so when you, when you put it, yes. when you put it into private hands, money becomes like the primary thing. And this is something that's like, you know, it's always, it's always been around, you know, it's caused, it's caused like catastrophe. It causes like war gaming and uh, you know, a lot of, you know, if, if there's actually a big war going on, cause a bunch of people to die, it makes, makes outcomes of war uh, predictable, you know? Well, of course, absolutely. I don't know. I don't because know. Right so now, we're... That that that's all. I mean, I just it, it seems it seems super fishy. Like, what what do you think? Is there anything fishy here besides the narrative of uh, like Chinese nationals being involved with this? The whole thing is fishy um, because what we know about the Dominion software and Smartmatic is Sidney Powell received a signed affidavit from my first from. Hold on, let me find it. Um, from a first-hand witness 
who was present when the Smartmatic and the Dominion software systems were purposely rigged to re designed to rig elections. So this witness was a former Venezuelan military member who was working for former President Hugo Chavez and was involved with the creation of the Smartmatic system. Oh. So according to the whistleblower, oh, Oh what? No, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just thinking out loud. I, I heard. I heard about uh, Venezuelan technology uh, for, you know, election election. Uh, you know, processing electronically election results uh, that was used in the United States. That is correct. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. Carry on. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was. I was. I was kind of uh, remembering uh, what I heard in the media. Yeah, that's fine. So according to the whistleblower, it was originally designed and used to steal at least one election for Hugo Chavez and then Maduro in Venezuela. So the same technology that was used to rig elections in Venezuela is now being used in America. And your point about the board members being Chinese, no, that does not surprise me. In fact, the media wants to say Russia, Russia, Russia. However, China is our biggest threat. China has infiltrated our universities, our academics, our medicines, um, our governments. I mean, there was a massive leak last Saturday in which a report was released in which 2 million CCP members, which is the Chinese Communist Party government members, they have infiltrated throughout the world. And according to this leak, it has their names, addresses, ethnicities, phone, sometimes their phone numbers, and they show exactly how extensive China has infiltrated everything. Hey, Sophia, everything. Sophia can I, can I uh, take like a, a hard, a hard uh, crazy turn here? Of course. Uh, so, okay. So, so are you familiar with like the history of uh, China and like how they became communist during their, their communist uh, uh, revolution? No. You're not okay. Uh, hey, Cliff, could you do me a favor? Yes. Could sir. you look up an article for me? Uh, yeah. Could you look up a, uh, a uh, online article called a uh, a Jew in Mao's China? Yep. Could you? Uh, you what what uh, what publication is that on? Um, forward. Okay. Jewish fearless since 1897. What is the, uh, who's the author of that article? Uh, Laura Goldman. Uh, could you, would you mind reading, um, just start reading the article and I'll just stop you. Even when I have been disenfranchised from God in the synagogue, I will always have, uh, been culturally proud to be a Jew. A source of pride is Jewish tradition of helping the oppressed and our involvement in social movements such as labor and civil rights. Um, let me scroll down to the meat and potatoes. No, no, no just keep reading right there. Just keep oh. reading. Okay. Until I saw the documentary, The Revolutionary, at the Philadelphia Independent Film Festival, I mistakenly thought that China during the revolutionary period was one country that had not fell to Jewish embrace. In fact, 85 to 90% of the foreigners helping the Chinese at the time of the communist takeover were Jewish. This includes the daughter and founder of the brokerage firm Goldman Sachs, who left the comfort of their Park Avenue home to assist the Chinese. The revolutionary tells the story of Southern-born Sidney uh, Rittenberg, the only American that has ever been admitted to the Chinese Communist Party. 
the Mandarin-speaking Rittenberg, who was uh, initially sent to China by the U.S. Army at the time of Japan's surrender at the end of World War II, became an influential advisor hey, fine. of Mao Zedong. That's fine. Okay. That's fine. What do you think about that, Cliff? Um, it, it to me it looks like right after World War II, the Chinese Party was uh, kind of in disarray, and um, one of the largest banking firms uh, goes over there to help China out or restructure China uh, for their own personal uh, banking interest. Is what I'm assuming. Though. I I personally, well, Sophia, what do you do? You have any uh, thoughts on that? Now, I know you, I'm not going to put you on the spot. Because I don't, I don't sure. sensitivities, but you know, if you if you care to share any thought on that, and my thought is that doesn't surprise me because the banking cartel runs everything. Yeah. Uh, now, Cliff, one thing that I'll, one thing that I'll, I'll mention is that the the Chinese Revolution would have been a twentieth. So it's actually it's before they did it right after the Bolsheviks. So they did the Bolshevik Revolution would have been nineteen seventeen, and then the twenties. They, they start and then it doesn't finish for a while. I think, I think the Chinese revolution is a little bit more messy and a lot more people die uh, in the conversion. But yeah, you have some, it's pretty interesting that the richest people in the world are often involved in the uh, establishment of uh, communist states. Um, it's paradoxical to the traditional poli notion of uh, like the identity of communism. And it's in, in that, in that extension, it's also paradoxical of the of the uh, like the normal definitions that we have of capitalism, you know, as we know it, as we know it. It 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 really uh, kind of draws a shadow that there's like you know there is something more here that is not uh, publicly you know fleshed out at least at this time. Um, so uh, you know, I I remember you know. I remember a few months ago, or maybe it was more than that. Time kind of flies by now. It's all blending together. But the, uh, <laughs> the tick, you remember the TikTok uh, incident? Did you ever oh, yeah. use TikTok? I've never used TikTok. Anybody use that? No. I never used TikTok. I, I downloaded it and I watched some videos and then I deleted it because I was like, this Sophia, is <laughs> did you ever use TikTok when it was out? No. No, I didn't either. No. Man, I wish we had somebody on here that had TikTok so they could tell us what it's about. I get kind of uh, all the social medias are kind of like uh, a dime a dozen at this point, so I don't really get on them. The uh, the TikTok TikTok got banned uh, for being Chinese uh, for for having a bunch of Chinese CEOs and uh, uh, being a Chinese. It's a I think it's uh, chartered in China. Well, I think it's chartered in Beijing, maybe, and then it has. Uh, could you look up TikTok for me, Cliff? Yeah, maybe just. From what I remember with the whole TikTok debacle, it was giving backdoor access to uh, the Chinese, the CCP, to all of our phones and basically allowing them to film uh, front and rear camera and get uh, information off of all of our devices at the no same doubt. time. No doubt. And they were, they were downloading everything people had ever copied. I believe it. But so if you copy and paste your username, password, things like that. That should, that should never be done. That should never be done by anybody. Doesn't uh, our government do that too? Oh, gosh, absolutely. It's pretty wrong. Of course it is. It's against our, our rights. Yeah. Our right to privacy. I just wanted to point that out. Not as an equivalent of like the Chinese aren't uh, 
you know, the Chinese have a free pass here. It's not like that. I'm just saying that, like, you know, I think the situation is a little out of control. <laughs> <laughs> that might be an understatement. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm trying to think of other stuff. You know, other stuff that's really interesting that I feel like is a uh, one of those things that got drug out into the spotlight, but only to be a red herring or a uh, like an obfuscation would be the uh, Facebook, um, like the, the the Facebook scrutiny by. Oh, who is that? Is that? I mean, I'm assuming that's like this, the some kind of committee in uh, in the Senate, right? That that was going after Facebook. Yes. Could you tell? Do you know about that? Can you tell us about that? Are you talking about the lawsuit? Are you talking about the lawsuit or the hearing? Well, they had. Didn't they have a? I mean, they have like an ongoing multi-year, you know. T- Oh my gosh, they've had multiple hearings, and I don't want to hear about uh, the, the Senate Intelligence Committee is so useless. They have all these hearings, they collect all this information, they never put anyone swearing to oath, they don't ask them any of the right questions, and then that's it, they walk away. So I'm, yeah. I was laughing because I saw that uh, uh, high ranking executives from Facebook and other tech companies are starting to become members of uh, uh, President elect Biden's. Uh, staff. Very, very interesting. Well, it's payback for censoring. It's payback for um, was it Mark Zuckerberger donated, what, $400 million to the elections to set up unsecured drop-off boxes for the absentee ballots? Mm-hmm. And I just see this all as um, basically we have the dog and pony show in front of us. We're witnessing all these things and we're being thrown all this media jargon at us from multiple sources. And, you know, there's one side that's left, the other side that's to right. But these are phrases to be able to divide us from actually seeing what's going on behind the scenes. They just want to say, oh, Facebook bad. Oh, so and so is bad. This and that. And keep us looking at the stage instead of, you know, looking behind the curtain and seeing who's actually pulling the strings back there. You are absolutely right. A hundred percent. There is so much happening behind the scenes that mainstream media refuses to cover a touch. And they're so preoccupied, like, oh, look over here. Look at the shiny object. And they're not, I mean, they're not even journalists anymore. No. And it's shocking how much, like, I, now, mind you, I'm a researcher for fun and I research everything. So I'm abreast of a lot of different topics, but it amazes me when I go and I talk with my friends and my family about general stuff, just general things. They're like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, oh, okay, never mind. And like, well, and then when I talk with them, all they want to talk about is like Kim Kardashian's latest makeup and, you know, stupid, trivial things. I'm like, really? Okay. Um, so on this, on this, uh, pulling into this, uh, Facebook thing, you know, like one of the things I thought about, which, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting, just a, just a way to think about it that I, a way that I think alone in my head, my, in my truck while I'm sitting here, the, uh, so the, uh, you know, the relationship between Facebook and, uh, China has been one like ever I think everybody's familiar with the differences or or they have a vague idea that there are differences due to censorship in China with uh, internet access versus the United States and so the way that the Chinese uh, view the United or uh, uh, view the internet and access the internet is uh, and what they have access to is uh, really different and uh, it's certainly true I, I know that it's true I did uh, I did have uh, when I was in college I worked with a um, a guy from Beijing that was there and he was, uh, we were doing, what class was that? 
we're doing something with like advertising and then he he did a really fascinating presentation on uh you know he he they, they have like uh, you know how in the united states for instance you know how like if you're a sports commentator commentator even though there's no real rule book you know you have to speak a certain way. You have to have a, uh, it wouldn't be a dialect. That's not the word I'm looking for. I'm looking for a, uh, a punctual flow and uh, a, tonal, a tonal pattern, which is uh, completely separate from the way that people talk. And the same thing's true for uh, like a news anchor. So there's differences between, so for instance, like a sports commentator would be like, and he's going for the 10 and the 20 and the 30 and the 40, you know, like that's, like that, that's, that's, that's what you're going to hear. Right. And then when you're listening to a, a, a news anchor or something, it's going to be like, uh, oh, I probably can't do a news anchor. I don't <laughs> Can you do a weatherman? Probably not. I, I would butcher it. News, <laughs> news anchor would be like, news anchor would be like, and today on NBX 12, we're, we're, uh, oh, that was terrible. I, I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna do it because I'm gonna mess it up. I can't think of it. I would have to have. I think I could do it if I had an overlay screen. Then I could do it if I had something to point at. I need those. Uh, I need like clouds to point at. The, uh, but you get what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that there's uh, there's these weird uh, tonal patterns that aren't replicated in, uh, you know, the way that people speak in English, but they exist and they're very formal and uh, people recognize them. And if you don't do that it kind of sounds funny like people expect it now china has that on steroids so china has a uh china has like a very complex um they they emulate a lot of western uh development so like they emulate our highways and stuff like that and our and our uh, spaghetti junctions their engineering stuff is uh like they have all of the uh potential of technology they don't have it's very fast in their development. So they don't have the track record of uh, like uh, learning from mistakes. Whereas we like built, we built up through, uh, you know, cost repetition repetition and changing. And then like having terrible industrial accidents and all this shit The China, like, I mean, they, I'm sure they have terrible industrial accidents, but they switched all that. And they'll just be like, we want the most complex highway that we can make. Let's really show this off. And they do it. And it's just like today in China, there was a, you know, a fucking car pileup that killed like 300 people. You know, it's like they just have like terrible <laughs> uh, road engineering stuff. Anyway, anyway, this guy in the in the class, he presented all these different dialects and tonalities that were for different things. And he would give examples like this is for like a, a, a product that's supposed to be sexy. This is for a product that's, you know, and he would do like, oh, this is a weatherman. This is a, this is a weatherman. This is a, uh, a political commentator when they uh, don't like what's going on, they talk like this. When they like what's going on, they talk like this. You know, and it's all emulated from the United States, which is very interesting because they're they're pulling out of it what they can through the filter of language between our society and them. Um, the the thing with Facebook in China that that I, that I really wanted to get at that was that was kind of a tangent. So there's probably going to be a lot of this. Sorry, the uh, <laughs> the. Okay. Uh, the thing about Facebook, so so we all everybody knows that there's censorship in China, uh, particularly with Facebook, and that's been a that's been a subject of uh, inquiry by the United States government. In uh, what, did you say that was that? It's big steroids. Say again. The censorship in China is big brother on steroids. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, China told China told Facebook, uh, yeah, you're not going to come in here unless you bend a knee to us. And look at our uh, multimedia corporations, the movies. They're all bending now, the knee to China. Here, of course. 
So it's the NBA and Disney. Oh God, the NBA that they lost all their did they really from what I heard. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I I hear the WNBA wow. gets better ratings now. Um. <laughs> okay, so here's I, w- I want to do a paradigm shift on perspective here, just temporary, you know, temporary. You can take it or leave it. Um, what if what if the uh, the censorship that is packaged and set up between China and like Facebook, for instance? So for one thing, I, I would propose I would propose a couple of um, logical suppositions here that may or may not be correct. Totally from this is just from the from the, uh, you know, back of the brain here. So so. I'm assuming that face that Facebook came to China, not because the Chinese thought of it, because Facebook brought it there. I would assume that the internet came to China, you know, post the uh, like endless, you know, restless uh, efforts of, you know, executive executive uh, cabinet members and uh, private uh, interests lobbying the United States government to create incentives to get into China since since Richard Nixon. And that once they really got in there and they set up all the um, the production facilities then I'm going to guess because of that chronology that the China's, you know, understanding of what can be done on the internet and what can't in terms of censorship had to be advised to them that they wouldn't develop that uh, like on their own because the technology they didn't develop, you know, like I, I would assume that the censorship censorship technology would have been developed before it was implemented in China just because they, uh, you know, cause they didn't develop the technology, you know, I would also, I would also suppose, and that could be incorrect. Uh, I don't know, but it goes. If that were, if that were true, if that were true, then the extension of that would be: is there, is there an angle here where the censorship that we hear about all the time in China isn't actually imposed necessarily by the Chinese government, but if the Chinese government is just as, uh, you know, puppeteered as the United States? Is it not possible that the censorship that's uh, given through their government is just like an, their government's like an avatar, like a, like a, you know, a facade, and that the censorship program is coming from external to China and being tested on China, and not only tested on China, being used to make sure that the Chinese people don't have open, common access between their billions of people to just chat it up with Americans. And if that's the case, is it the possibility that the reason that that was put into place and that's been in place for so long is because they knew that they were going to take us to war with China? Yeah. I have a different I, I theory. What's your theory? I'm looking up. Oh, just one. Hear. Go ahead. My theory? Okay. I believe the Chinese government is behind all of their censorship. And the whole purpose of Facebook and allowing Facebook to come in is because Facebook is the best vehicle in order to get all the people to sign up and to monitor them. So the purpose, the point of Facebook is to get all your citizens to sign up and to monitor. You monitor what they're looking at, how long they're looking at it, what they're liking, what they're disliking. Um, also it's a vehicle in which you can mass mind manipulate people and only feed them the articles that you want them to see and nothing else. In addition, by getting all your people on Facebook, you can sell ads to all these corporate people and make tons of money off of it. In addition, China wanted to institute social credit score. The only way you can do it is if you have Facebook and by Facebook, you can monitor who's friendly to the government and who's not friendly to the government. And through the social credit score, if your score is not high enough, which means you are not, you know, licking the boot of the Chinese government properly on social media, your 
bank accounts will be frozen. Your jo- you'll lose your job. You'll lose your house. You'll be forbidden to ride on the subway. Uh, and no, I'm I, sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. Okay. You finished. Keep, please keep going. In addition, with Facebook, you upload all these photos, which creates a facial uh, recognition database. And what we saw through the coronavirus is if you left your house without a mask or if you were walking and you were not exactly six feet away from the person, they had drones who would literally face recognize you, come down and say, hey, Sophia, put your mask on or Sophia, back up. You're not within six uh, six feet. In addition, if you are walking and you do something that's against the law, jaywalking, not walk, you know, not following the cross signs, um, when you know walking on a red light instead of a green light, um, the video cameras will recognize your face and deduct the money for the fine from your checking account. Yeah, all instantly. this, all this stuff is true. The, uh, you know, I've kind of, I've, I've looked into the IT side of uh, uh, Chinese internal security, and it's pretty robust like when you get when you get into the actual you know uh you know like uh beijing and shit you're you're gonna see i mean it's outlandish it's it's literally like christmas trees of uh cameras <laughs> and like uh you know they have the uh cop cams like the uh, uh vest cams or whatever on steroids for like public servants and stuff it's just it's, and they all have you know they had early implementation of uh facial recognition early recognition of uh like uh, optical optically intelligent uh you know software that's that's integrated with uh, optics for like cameras and shit so they can rec- they can do like letter recognition and number recognition all this stuff was kind of like implemented pretty early on in uh in uh, china we started getting here in the united states we started getting like uh uh apers and stuff for license plate recognition we started getting that um a little bit later than them but but so, so I, I'm familiar with all this stuff, and I, and I 100% agree with you. The only thing that I suppose that is uh, counter-narrative, which I think, in my opinion, is uh, paramount to uh, really cracking into this, is that because the origin and power of the Communist Party is not, does not originate in China, but originates in Goldman Sachs, and because of the relationship between China economically and the central banks, meaning that, you know, even even that's like uh, really into uh, commodities trading and stuff is going to be familiar with the massive movements of uh, gold uh, from central banks to China that has been taking place for like well over a decade, and it's just been a uh, strategic stockpiling of gold, and uh, China has increased its uh, mining capacity also, but all of this stuff it really suggests. Uh, when you kind of look at it from a bird's eye view, that China is not really in control, that there's a, uh, you know, that they are following the program, just like we're following the program, just like, just like it's not in our best interest to have a uh, paranoid society that is uh, more concerned about, um, you know, federal compliance uh, in reaction to a pandemic than, you know, the, the well-being of uh, people. Like the uh, the uh, and, and the and the enjoyment of liberty. In that regard, you know, it, it really seems like the United States isn't con- isn't in control, and China. If you look at the broad broad stroke of what's going on, it really appears it's in the same case. And so what I what I'm saying with this Facebook thing, kind of zeroing into that, what I'm saying is, you know, it really seems like you know, people people never wanted anything made in China. You know, so the American people. When you know, how, how Sophia, how old are you? You mind if I ask you that? What's your age? 
You're 35. Oh, 35. So you, you can remember when you were a kid how few products were made in China. It was very, it oh, was yeah. very minimal. And the first Chinese products that came in were like knickknacks, you know? So you would have like, like little, I don't even know. I can't. Yeah. Stocking, stocking stuffers, stuff. really cheap, like wooden, <laughs> like. And the thing you got in the machine with, with a quarter and you got some yes, in the egg. Yes. And that. Oh yeah. The little yeah. And it machines. was, and it was, yeah. uh, <laughs> and then when they started to uh, get some uh, machining capacity there, and some uh, chemical engineering capacity. Then it started to, uh, like the first, I mean, it's still poor products, but it was like really shitty at first, you know, like when they started bringing in industrial products and uh, consumer products, it would just be like this junk and everybody would avoid China, ch Chinese products. And so, and so, you know, there is nobody in the United States that really wanted Chinese products, yet we got it. Like no matter who was in office, no matter who, the people voted for what they wanted and how averse they were, how averse they were to, uh, you know, just open highway trade with China. Nobody wanted it. So it got, it got kind of like shoved down our, not kind of, it literally got shoved down our throats as Americans and nobody had any say no matter what. And the politicians just covered for it. They would just say like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know you don't like it. You know, this is uh, we're working on it and they wouldn't work on it. They just put it in hyperdrive. Because of that, because of the, the how we're now approaching war with China, and I'm sure that I'm sure that if you're researching uh, politics, you know, like cur current politics, I'm sure that you're familiar with like you know the CFR and all that shit, and how and how the yes. you know they've been they've been in, in the Aspen Convention or whatever it is, and they've been to. What is the CFR? I'm. Uh... I, Sophia, please tell them what is the CFR. The Council, the Council of Foreign Relations. Oh, okay. okay do you want to give okay, a synopsis, just like a, a short bet. synopsis of what they do or how they operate? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a, a group of world leaders and elites that come together and they create. Um, they pretty much are the puppet masters. And they control all the governments all the all around the world, and they dictate who They're does very, what when. It's similar. It's I think like CFR is a little group. bit more uh, like dis diffused in the population in terms of they have they they typically have rep representatives from like every major Fortune 500 company. They typically have philanthropists. Uh, all your you know they're going to have representation in every major company. Like once you get over I don't know like 50 mil revenue or something like that, you're going to be pretty much like, it's kind of like a requisite that you're in CFR. They always have, uh, they always have a lot of uh, cabinet members that are in there. And uh, as the years go on, they're getting more and more, um, you know, government officials. It used to be not that many, you know, it used to be, it used to be uh, entirely private. And because it was private, because these people were, you know, swag as fuck, and they were just like, you know, rolling dough, like all these Fortune 500 companies, all the, you know, elected officials would be like, what's, what's going on over there? And they'd, you know, wander in there, and they'd all get like ensnared by it. And probably the best way to describe CFR, which is like, uh, it, it's just like a short, a short story here that's kind of a tangent, but I think it, it's going to be very, uh, like, colorful. So like the NRA prior to going through all of its uh, like fiascos it has for the last few years in 2013. Uh, I think it was 2013. 
I remember there was like an NRA article where some there was like an investigative journalist for the NRA, like in-house journalist, doing research on the CFR because they put out a recommendation for gun control, you know, for like backdoor gun control through economic uh, restriction. And when they did that, the it got the NRA's attention. They started like you know they had this guy writing this uh, this. I mean, it was, it was it was an accurate article. You know, he was he was trying to expose this stuff. The, the silly thing about it was that, you know, like there were board members in the NRA that were on the published board for the for the CFR. Like that's the CFR. You, see, you get what I'm saying? Does that kind of make sense? So they're they're everywhere. Right. Yeah. And so it's, it's very diffused in that way. Right. Like uh, now they do, at least in the past, I don't know if they're doing it now, but they, they, they publish their board on a PDF uh, annually, it's usually typically somewhere around 5,000 to 6,000 members uh, from what I can remember. Um, but anyway, the, uh, the CFR, the, uh, what the hell was I even talking about? I totally lost my place now going off of these tangents. Where, where, <laughs> how do we get into CFR? Somebody throw me a bone. Um, we were basically going from the ah, Facebook, party, Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. Yes. Um, yes. Okay. Thank you. I'm going to try, I'm going to try to hold back on my tangents. The, uh, so Facebook, Facebook, um, you know, the, the, uh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. So, so the notion of the United States going to war really started to come up in journalism through these, uh, think tanks and institutions like the CFR and, the. um, whatever it's called. I can't remember Aspen, Aspen convention, Aspen Institute convention or something like that. It's like a defense pseudo civil convention that they do every year in Colorado. It's very hoity toity, but they, uh, you know, they, they, they use the term, uh, you, uh, Thucydides comp, uh, conflict, which basically, you know, in a, in a, in a rough description means that when you have in competition, in economic con- competition, two powers that uh, come to equilibrium, it creates a uh, conflict between them that is inevitable. Um, and that's that's kind of how they talk about it in like smart kid circles. The real way that I see that, a lot of that stuff is like very uh, Machiavellian. So the way that I view that, when they say that, what that means is that uh, we are now telling you a something that we just made up uh, because we are in control of both of your economies and uh, so we're going to bring up the uh, Thucydic conflict uh, paradigm, and then we're going to uh, tell you about it for like the next 10 years because you're going to war with China, you know, and uh, and then it gets pumped through these circles like CFR, and then they repeat it like the telephone game, and uh, and it gets amplified, and then it comes out in the flesh through the media, and then the citizens start talking about it, and then before you know it, you know, we're getting our propaganda here to go to war with China, and Chinese are getting their propaganda there. And they can't have us talking to each other because if we talk to each other, if we could get on the internet and talk to Chinese citizens that don't know what the fuck is going on just as much as we're in the dark, if we talk to each other, then we'd be able to figure out in real time because of the speed of internet and communication, we'd be like, what the fuck did they just say? And we talk to them and then they talk to us and be like, oh, these motherfuckers are doing this. And then we'd figure it all out. And then we'd be like, these motherfuckers are playing us. And so they need Facebook <laughs> and a censorship veil, not solely for the Chinese because the Chinese have been ruling with an iron fist, their own Chinese population for thousands of years. 
They don't need any help from Facebook with that. What Facebook needs is to hide the fact that they, that there is a world government coordinating a war between the United States and China. Yep. I'm looking at it and both of y'all have, have led on or had mentioned, you know, we see that there is a cabal uh, of bankers or high powered people in the background that do not get listed on the Forbes 500, you know, richest people in the world. And I look at it like this. It's like a video game. They are in control and player one is the United States. Player two is China. The common people are watching, you know, the screen and seeing these two these two fighters fight. But at the end of the day, it's really the people holding the controllers at the other end. And the 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 people, the citizens of countries around the world, we're just sitting back here and we're being spoon fed all this information to make it look like, um, you know, China's bad. This is bad. That's bad. But in reality, it's the people who are controlling. If you look at um, the Soviet Union, the Cold War, you know, a lot of countries took note from that and the banking institutions and, what did, and, and you know, the people. What did they have? They had an iron. And, curtain, you know, right. There wasn't internet. There wasn't internet, but there was total yep. blackout of communication, right? Like, There's no crossover. You know, what, you know what happens in the military? Like when I was in Ramadi uh, and we would get guys that would get killed, you know what happens? They do blackout. So that means like there is no sat phone. There is no, you can't go to the, uh, you can't like go take a convoy to the main fob and like get on the uh, AT&T prepaid phones. You can't do any of that stuff. And the reason that they do that institutionally is so that they can get a hold of whoever the survivor is to tell them that their loved one got killed. And this shit would like happen, you know, I mean, you know, on a bad month, you'd be like blacked out for like, you know, three quarters of the month or whatever. Cause there's so many guys getting killed, but the, you know, the 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 purpose of the blackout is to stop communication so that there is not discovery of like what's going on right now the reason for a blackout i'm not saying there's anything conspiratorial about blackout procedure in the military for kia that's not what i'm saying what what i'm doing is i'm 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 saying that you know there's only so many reasons to justify the control of communication and the difference between a blackout for for like military is that you know it's about it's about um the military being you know the the, the consequent the, the consequential bearer of their you know they're the response they're the responsible party for the death of like the loved one and so they want to be the person that like talks to it not like another service member that's why that's why they do it institutionally for for china you know there's really you know it's a really easy misdirection tactic to pick 180 degrees from the real reason, you know, that's like literally 180 degree azimuth in the opposite direction, but it's still like in alignment, right? It's just the opposite way and say like, well, the, the, you know, all the, all the uh, censorship in China is for the Chinese. But the fact of the matter is that they've always, you know, like they've always had that. They've always had, they've had, I mean, they had fucking dynasties, you know, for like a long time. So this is, imperial rule and uh like familial imperial rule by bloodline and uh they're not you know their cultural and uh, sociological civil development political development is not the same parallel as the united states they're in a very different place and so the uh you know the reason that we're told that china 
has censorship is really a placation to our understanding of like, you know, like geopolitics and uh, societies, because we look at it from our own perspective of our own experience, which is entirely different than China. Like China, China, you know, is way more brutal than just like (laughs) some censorship and stuff like that. They don't even give give a shit about any of that. You know what I mean? The the people that give a shit are the international corporations because they don't want us talking to each other to exchange information. You know what I mean? To figure out what's going on because the power wants to be the one that communicates, right? They want it through the proper channels. Just like the military wants the proper channel of communication to explain a story. They don't want, they don't want some private that was in the same track as another guy being like, yeah, you know, Sergeant Brown fucked up and didn't look around this corner and a fucking RPG hit, you know, Joey in the head and fucking took his head off. They don't want to say, they, they don't want the guy to say that, right? They want to say, ma'am, you know, we are sorry about... <laughs> You know, is with great, with great, uh, you know, whatever, you know, what, I don't know what the fuck they say. They make up some shit that they say to try to alleviate the pain of it. And they are the intermediary of communication. Well, the world government is the intermediary of communication to tell both us and China what the fuck is going on, what to think about each other. And if we talk to each other, then we fucking figure out that Joey got shot in the head by an RPG. You see, you get what I'm saying. That's why I'm comp- that's why I'm comparing these two stories in parallel. That was a long explanation. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dwell on it. I just want to put that out there. Uh, I I see what you're saying. You're basically saying that the powers that be are keeping China, the U.S., Russia, whoever it may be, from having open grounds of communication for the citizens to be able to discuss and react and say you know what this isn't right we yes need to stand up yes we need to do something that's exactly right except it's both sides or, you know something along- so they're, what they're more terrified of like we think of it like china is really bad yep. and like you know they really abuse their citizens they always have the, but but that is that is not what their primary their primary concern is they don't want americans talking to chinese and figuring out like through communication that like we have fucked up shit going on here you know what I mean? They want the they want the narrative to be like, oh, we had this, you know, the, supposedly there was this child child sex trafficking rink in uh, in a child sex trafficking rink in uh, in, in a DC, and you know uh, we're really getting on that. You know, we got like the sheriff's departments looking into it, and like, uh, oh, oh, turns out nobody got arrested. Okay, moving on, and now we're talking about the uh, the new sh- the new. Uh, Amazon, <laughs> Amazon uh, shipping complex, you know, like that's, that's like, you know, you, you get what I'm saying? Like they don't, they don't want us to be thinking and, uh, and uh, comparing in a reversal of uh, examination, what's going on between China and what's going on between us. They want the news to be, they want the, the authorized news media on all flavors, left and right to be the, the gatekeeper. And the politicians. So are you, so are you saying that the way to beat the cabal and the people who are running the show right now is for the world yeah. to have like a great awakening and to come together as a, as one yeah, unit I, to say so, we're not so going to take it anymore? Uh, general philosophy in terms of uh, like the only way out of this: the the a normal person will use convention of uh, resistance, and their model of that you know, is it's basically going to be something like this. It's going to start off with like, I'm going to protest. I'm going to stand out there with a sign 
And then when, you know, if things escalate and escalate, then I'm going to, you know, get out the old rifle and then we're going to do the rifle. It's, it's equivalent, the equivalent of it, what it really is and what people have a very difficult time understanding. It's like if somebody came up to you, came up to your front door, knocked on the door and you opened the door and they held a gun to your face and they, they were like, I'm going to shoot you in the head. And then you were like, wait, I do not want to be shot in the head. I will resist. Do you have a firearm that I can purchase, sir? And they're like, uh, let me see what I've got. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's, that is what, that is what <laughs> conventional warfare is. And it is not the way that wars are won. We just can't see it because we're on the inside. And so the, uh, like, it's not going to work, especially for the globalization. And so the, the, the actual way that we get through, uh, that humanity gets through this, uh, you know, very critical um i mean it's a fucking critically <laughs> unstable and and consequential catharsis is uh like number one the, the the primary thing is that people human beings have to use the development of technology which has been uh hoarded by um private industry and government which is in public circulation through like patents and stuff to supplement and then provide their entire resources like to themselves in like a cellular way where it's much smaller scale, much, you know, like, you know, which also means less regulatory can, you know, you can't have, you can't have somebody like experimenting with like uh, processing uh, waste plastics into fuel to distribute to their local County or whatever, if they're having to answer to the EPA and OSHA and stuff, like, it's just not, it's not going to, th those two things do not go together. And that's, that's kind of, why OSHA and EPA are there. The, uh, you have to have. It's to basically put another valve on the system so they can close right. off your resources. Right. We, we look at it as civilians. We look at it like this like it. is, um, for safety. It's not, it's not for safety. Accidents happen all the time, even under OSHA and EPA, uh, oversight. They happen all the time. The, uh, it is, they are regulatory barriers designed like algebraic equations where you say, you know, or, or like chemical reactions where you're using like a retardant to prevent a certain behavior, you know, just like if you, like everybody knows it's economics, you, you add a tax, right? Like if you don't want people smoking, you, you, you would tax it. And that's going to have a mathematical outcome of a decrease in the behavior just because of the, you know, just because of the equilibrium of uh, like economics, right? So it's the same principle. It's like the more barriers that you put up into uh, like the pathways that society and people can take to, uh, you know, develop the, the less options that they have and the more under control they are. So, so like humanity doesn't have any choice but to march down this, you know, kill shoot stun box <laughs> slaughterhouse that we're walking down. Because they don't, I mean, there's no, there, we, we have been so far taken off of our independent, our independence and become so coerced into, uh, like financially coerced into being entirely dependent and having everything produced through a distended supply line that we don't see where it comes from, merely for the purpose so that we are disconnected from how it's produced, you know, how, you know, how the pricing gets fixed. Like all these things are, are taken away from us that we don't have any control and then it's made illegal. And then if we try to do it and they say, yeah, you know, this is not safe. You know, like you have, you have some safety stuff here yet at the same time, you know, they're having like freaking accidents in like international plants that are like killing thousands of people and stuff like gas releases and all kinds of stuff. And uh, the trick to humanity getting through the, 
the we have to get to the catharsis where number one people don't trust what is going on and that has to be widespread and then the second thing that people have to do is realize that like nobody is coming to save us the only way that we're going to do this is to have a radically different approach than conventional approach and that doesn't include conventional conflict the reason why is because if you go buy bullets or whatever you're buying them from the companies that you're fighting you know so it just it doesn't make any sense right uh, i mean i mean in the financial you know, once you get up to the, you know, the, the top, once you get up to like how the energy is distributed, like an engineering system, you're fighting, you're, you're, you're helping who you're fighting. And so there's no chance it's entirely controlled therefore. So there's no way that you could win in a conventional means. It just doesn't exist because all of the independent systems have been taken away. <laughs> and so, you know, humanity has to provide for themselves, you know, in, in entirety. And you can't just do it in the United States I mean, you could start in the United States and be and be the example for other people in the world. And then they could uh, if they saw a model that was successful, then it could spread like wildfire because everybody's very hungry for truth and very hungry for uh, righteousness and justice all over the world, everywhere in the world, from third world countries to to France, to, you know, Russia. Everybody everywhere in the world is kind of uh, sick of this game. And uh, the only part that they're missing is that. They're all looking around like, when do we get to cash in our coupon for freedom? That's the trick. You can't cash in a coupon for freedom. You've got to build it yourself. And the only way that you're going to do that is to implement small-scale production of everything that you use. And it can be done, particularly if you have resources in the nation. Like a small European nation may not be able to produce everything that they need. The United States, we can produce everything you know, aces, like we've got so much land, so many mineral resources, like we're good to go here. Uh, and with the techno technological development of, uh, you know, like particularly like post-World War II, like the biggest things would be like energy and fuel and all that stuff has had tremendous, uh, you know, just an entire horizontally diversified uh, synthesis route or multiple synthesis routes that do not require centralized international oil companies like you could you could at this point in time if the information was available every single household could be making their own fuel i mean other other than the fact of like fire hazard for people that are living like 10 feet away from each other and like crammed into urbanite areas other than that you know anybody that has like a normal yard could do could do small-scale petroleum synthesis they could do all this stuff you know but it's like we're never going to be able to do it if uh Nobody wakes up. They have to have the catharsis first. Sorry, sorry. That was long as hell. Okay, I just, I'm passionate. I'm passionate. <laughs> but it was informative. It's really hey, informative. Sophia, Sophia, we love Dugan, but in Dugan goes deep. I appreciate so it, though. We, we really do uh, love this. But this is your chance to be able to throw in whatever you want, or we can jump topic. Um I'm pretty sure you have uh, some things that you want to say. And uh, we have a gentleman uh, that may be coming on in the future um, that did a documentary in a town of Mexico. I'm trying to find the name of the town. Um, but they basically broke away from the cartel and the government. and They became independent. And this whole town is rebuilding their whole uh, way of life and finding their cultural heritage and their independence and becoming an exporter um, and doing everything on their own without the help of the government and with also self-policing and uh, doing everything themselves. 
So I think that is a, um, a, a great little tidbit to show that people can break away. Towns can break away. And, you know, populists around the world, you know, you have to fight the atrocities and, you know, the, the, the iron fists. But if you stand, you know, you stand fast, you have a possibility that you might be able to keep on holding on to your independence and your ability to become more independent. And so what do you have to say? I'm sorry for the little. Well, I'd love to, I'd hear, I'd love to hear <laughs> more about that little town, actually. I, cause I think it's brilliant. I'm looking Great, it up thank right you. now. No, I think it's brilliant. <laughs> and I agree with you. Um, I do, I do believe that we do need a great awakening worldwide. I do see it happening. Um, actually, I do see it happening. And I see a lot of people protesting against their governments for certain things and whatnot. But I think the hardest thing is, is we're so tied to the financial system. We're so enamored with all this debt that in order to be self-sufficient, um, we have to get out of the financial system. And I don't know how we break free from that, become, you know, and get together as a community to farm our own food, yeah. make our own clothes. I think, I think therein lies the, the real, uh, like what you just described is exactly why this thing has been uh, kind of, kind of, you know, like people, people, people can kind of sense it or taste it on the tip of their tongue, but they can't, they can't. Uh, manifest it or like bring it out as a thought because of the like the thought of how hard it's going to be you know like the thought of like how do we how do we move this monolith off of us and flip that fucker over and just like you know live in peace (laughs) Uh, and I think the issue yeah like like what's step one like I think think that's where people are like well what's step one like I think people want like step one step two step three then People could the, yeah, they, they, uh, rationalize it in their head. You know what I mean? Right? Like, like ideology, plans for like, you know, the country's going to do this, all those things. Yeah, yeah. But, you you know, it's a really good way in a, in like a group effort to get taken advantage of and uh, like just controlled and driven in a, in a direction that is uh, exactly where they want you to go. The way to, the way to break free is to identify what it is that, you know, like I, I look at it like this, I, you know, like I used to have a high income job that was very, uh, you know, I used to do like, like video production and advertisement and stuff like that, making like, you know, product videos and little commercials and stuff. And, uh, you know, it's very, um, standardized and formal in terms of all the different, uh, overlapping systems and stuff like, like, you know, providing video material, talking to a company to like set up a shoot and you know, all, all this stuff is very, it's, it, it's, it's like formal in the sense that like there's a way that it works and there's ways that, you know, are kind of on the edge of that, that it doesn't. The, the, <laughs> the problem is that, <laughs> sorry, I just dropped something right on my lap. Okay. What's up? Hey, Hey, Dugan, one second. Uh, where's, the where's name of the town in Mexico is Can Charon. you spell that for me? I sent uh, uh, C-H-E-R-A-N. I just sent you the link, Miss Sophia, uh, in your inbox you. uh, text message. So you have it. Um, and that gentleman may no, be no, that's on okay. here in so, the So the point, the point of that story, uh, I'm like, sorry, what Dugan, I was trying to talk about was that, was that all these things that I thought were 
giving me an advantage of like uh like a competitive edge in like the market or whatever or competitive edge in being like hired you know being being a valuable um commodity to like companies to want to get the service or whatever all these things were really just you know they're really just uh limiting potential and tying me down and making me look in a direction so that i was unable to see any other directions you know because it's just the way that it is the 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 way that the uh it's also it's also the way that i'm controlled right so like you know i'm sure that everybody has a feeling of like man they just feel like undersatisfied with the way that things are despite the the cutting edge of technology and all the new things that come out all the time the communication being at the tip of your fingers or in some places like hands-free you know like it it doesn't you know, despite how much money and energy is poured into the development and endless progression of this uh, behemoth that we've made, it doesn't provide satisfaction. And that is the that is the like common thread through everybody, regardless of you know like socioeconomic status or wealth or anything like that. Regardless of where you are, it that's the way that it is. And people don't uh, you know like I think that's kind of like. Uh, they try to hide that. It's it's a little bit more obvious now because of the uh, unrest. But the the reason that we're so upset is because we are, you know, we, we have things that we need, right? The basic things that we need are we have to have water. If you don't have water, you're going to die within like, you know, a day and a half, two days, depending on how thirsty you are. If you don't have food, you're going to die in like, you know, seven to 15 days. If, if you don't have uh, heat, you could die overnight, you know? Uh, so, like, all these things are, like, real needs that have to be provided. They're all centralized. So they are all through, you know, if, if you're making food, they've done a pretty good job of destroying the farms in the United States. So there's no – all the farms – I live – I have farms as far as the eye can see. Around. I'm looking at a cornfield right now. Directly in front of me, 30 feet away, there's a cornfield. Uh, it produces corn and bean on rotation – uh, you know, biennially, uh, they switch off every other year and that's it. The soy is going to China. Okay. The bean, the soybean, the corn is going into, uh, you know, ethanol products. Um, and this is the, this is the case everywhere. So you have, uh, it's, it's also, it's also entirely managed by Bayer AG who bought Monsanto and, uh, you know, which is international. And so this is like, uh, yep. Yeah, I yeah. Hate so Monsanto. so they have destroyed how really this used to be. You know, like what this used to be. Like my house, I bought a farmhouse. I have pictures. I have aerial pictures from somebody flying a plane and taking pictures of this place, like through the decades. So it used to be this. These places used to be like, you know, free range cattle. They would be like sorghum farms for like sorghum syrup and brooms, and I mean it was just so diverse in the products that they made. And now it's just been all eliminated. Nobody knows how to do anything. Even if you came in here and were like, okay, you don't have to be enslaved to ethanol, corn and bean anymore. You can plant whatever the fuck you want. It wouldn't matter because they've lost all of the know-how. Like all that stuff has been undeveloped. And now they're in a streamline, you know, open this book and then you do this. And this is the rules. And if you don't do it, you don't get your, your subsidies. You don't get your government communist pay. And it's like that everywhere. And so what ties us in like what makes us unhappy and unfulfilled is that we are, you know, absolutely bound to the things that we need and they are all centralized. And so the only way that we are going to be, no matter what, no matter how long it takes 
for people to realize this because I know that it's somewhat counterintuitive. And even more than that, it's something that we push away in our minds because we don't want to do the work. We have to provide for ourselves as family units, as individuals. It should be, it's, it's not about like, you know, gluten-free and, uh, you know, like having like, you know, products that are like, uh, you know, very organic. Yeah. Organic, organic products. is now, Everything is organic. If you don't the have keto organic diet. fucking everything up, <laughs> it's all organic. You don't have to have labels, labels on everything. If you didn't have a world government putting, putting fucking MSG in everything <laughs> and, uh, you know, spiking your gas with ethanol because they can squeeze an extra million dollar bonus out of it, then you wouldn't have it and everything would be organic. Everything would be pure and rich. And just as it, you know, just as it was discovered in the first place, which was, which is why it spread in the first place, you know, like that's why vibrant and fruitful products that are ubiquitous because they're so effective and then they get centralized and then squeezed and they get diminished. And then our products turn into cheap Chinese products. We don't have any manufacturing here. Well, you could, you can't vote to change that because they have control of everything. They're never going to do it. Just like everybody complained about the Chinese products. And now we have, you know, nothing made here. Everything's made in China. They're not going to help us. We have, you have to, you have to start making everything no, your, for yourself. And the things that I talk about, water, food, and heat are like the three first primary things. And so if there's some way to start a movement in the United States where people found it, uh, admirable like socially socially identity you know we're able to recognize it as admirable and what is right to uh provide things for yourself so that you don't get squeezed into a direction that you don't want to go you know and right now it's kind of distended we get squeezed into a direction like COVID-19 compliance there's a lot of people that are really uncomfortable with COVID-19 compliance a lot of people and uh they don't like it because it feels like tyranny it feels like world government tyranny and that their politicians don't want to admit it because they're too weak and so it's like on their back and they're all alone and they have to like choose the way that they face it themselves without any kind of guidance whatsoever we don't even have any government officials like yeah there's people that don't like the COVID-19 stuff and don't like the mask they're not like you know giving guidance on like this is this is how you resist you know this is how you this is how you resist and keep your dignity and your uh you know your autonomy they're, they're not doing it. So, so like we have to, because I'm sorry, let me back up. So in this situation with the COVID-19, we have to be compliant with it because everything is distended supply line products that aren't made here. And we don't have any alternative because they've taken them all away. So you have to go get the two by fours. You have to go get the, you know, whatever you you have to go get the, uh, I don't know, where's places that you wear COVID-19 masks. And it's like everywhere you have to get groceries, right? everywhere right you don't have a choice because there's no alternative and everybody the reason that there's no alternative is because that's how centralized and locked down they have this whole thing that's how systematic it is they have all those companies that got bought up and centralized by going through their multi-decade long you know compliance and uh streamlined training and like look at these uh look at these uh guidelines on uh your procedurals and uh and uh books for like how you can be super efficient. And then they like signed some contract or like got some kind of subsidy. Now they don't have any choice because they basically got, you know, they basically got taken over. And so they're, they're... 
they signed on the dotted line to be able to exactly. comply, to be able to make sure and the, that they can keep on providing their. And I, uh, their I love how currency. we went from 15 days yeah. to flatten the curve yeah. to over a year now. And, oh my God! Yeah. And listen, you know what? You wonder. You do not have to wear a mask. So for all those people out there, do, you, even if it says wear a mask, do not wear a mask. I don't wear a mask. My grandma doesn't wear a mask. I put on a. Uh... Don't wear a mask. Mm-mm. Oh heck no! And what I find really interesting is Completely they're shutting agree. down all these states, right? They're shutting down all these uh, local businesses, like mom and pop shops. They're all dying. They're not coming back. But you know what's skyrocketing? Uh, shipments oh, for. Yeah. Uh, Amazon, Uber Eats, all these corporatizations, they're just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Go ahead. Oh, Miss Sophia. Hold hold on, uh, Dugan, I apologize. Miss Sophia, Mr. Dark is here with us now. He had a family emergency. Uh, I just want him to introduce himself to be able to say hi to you right quick. Thank you. And then go on ahead. I'm sorry. Hi, welcome to the party. It's a really good show. Actually, funny <laughs> enough, uh, the reason I'm an hour late is because um, someone at my child's school, a teacher, uh, noticed that my child was coughing during class. So they called us, uh, asked us to come pick her up, remove her from school. And because some um, teacher that has no medical training at all whatsoever saw her coughing, I now have to get a licensed practicing doctor to sign off on a negative COVID test, which no one in my family has gotten a COVID test, an AB test, or anything at all. Now I have to get a signed, a negative test and a signed slip from a practicing doctor showing that she tested negative because a teacher saw her coughing. Oh, shit. I am. I am. O-M-G. A little bothered. We'll, we'll 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 talk. We'll, we'll uh we'll figure uh, out a yeah, game plan as you should. Uh, for that where we can talk where we're not overheard after <laughs> the. Yeah, uh, my apologies. No, 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 no. I mean, like, I mean, like, we wouldn't. Uh, I've got some ideas. You know, I'd, what's really interesting about that? You could, uh, you know, if we were a free nation that wasn't uh, wasn't like f- uh, financially controlled and inundated. This would be a tremendous business opportunity to make forged uh, compliance certificates. <laughs> oh, I, hey, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say, but there may have been a conversation yep. earlier between random people about making your own doctor script. Brilliant, Brilliant. You guys, market that. That's a million dollar idea right there. Well, that's crazy. I can't. Yeah. Hey, anybody want to invest? Well, the craziest, part, and another crazy thing too is that the uh, COVID tests are false positive all the time. There, I think they're only fifty percent right at the time. In fact, there was a Elon Musk. Yeah, Elon Musk did four in one day, and he had two positives and two. There was the president of a country, back. was it Tasmanian, who took the COVID test and tested a some sort of a fruit and a goat, and he just put like a I boy girl, and he sent it off, and they both came back <laughs> positive. Room, I had said, uh, and that's when he said, "We're not doing it here." What's the no. percentage of accuracy on this test? She had said, at the absolute best, seventy percent. I said, "Okay, uh, are there you know?" false negatives false positive like you know what's more likely and uh is it like a pregnancy test where you're more likely to get a false negative than a false positive 
She said, oh, no, you can absolutely get false negatives, false positives. So that little myth that false positives don't exist <laughs> with COVID tests is, is garbage that the MSM is peddling. We need to we need to have a new Jerry Springer show instead of who's the baby I just, daddy. I just choked up on Larry Dip, and uh, I'm worried that I might have COVID, so I, I'm gonna have to go, guys. The uh, hopefully no one saw you. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you better lock yourself in the closet uh, for uh, t- 14 days. I, you know, Dark. That's really. Uh, kind of unnerving you know because it, it like the yep. story that you told i can't stop thinking about it it's just it's, it's so me a, a great deal this is totally <laughs> over the last seven hours completely interrupted my my family this is going to interrupt my income this is going inter- to like i mean this is I, like i run a business this is going to change a lot yeah and i've lost control let me let me throw on with this. I I, I talked I talked with Dark and I let him know that my son is in a, uh, a a sport in high school, and during one of the matches, I guess most of the other team they all had COVID. So all of a sudden, my son, being a high schooler, has to stay home for fourteen days in quarantine. And I get a little text message every day saying, "Check these symptoms." And let us know, yes or no, if he has fever, if he has this, this, this. And this is through the health department texting me every day. I'm like, this is a little hey, invasive. Hey, Sophia. Okay, no problem. Sophia. But so, they're not so you're, you're an investigative you journalist, test, though. right? Is that, is that totally what you described? Different. Did you say investigative journalist? Or how would you describe your journalism? Oh, uh, uh, yeah, sure, I would sure. say that. The, uh, I'm, you know, I'm an amateur investigative be, journalist. Now, I don't want to. I don't want to um, give the the presumption that you're going to strike gold here because I think it'd be very. I think it'll be very difficult. Not only because uh, nobody, like people, are going to be freaked out to help, but also because it might be really guarded. Uh, but there is. I mean, are you familiar with the tests, like with the uh, how the CDC um, got? you know, like how, how they developed the protocols and what the tests are like a PCR test. And they, uh, like they're, they're doing like, I mean, they're doing serology tests, aren't they? Where they're doing fluid, it's fluid collection, right? Like swab and yeah. Yeah. So it's nasal. Yeah. So, so the when these things get analyzed, is yeah. there, is there, are they sending either the data that gets crunched, like uh, as the result in a code, or are they sending the samples to somewhere else where they're getting, further anonymized, uh, you know, an- anonymized, uh, testing because, uh, well, I, I'm not going to say that because it, it's too specific to, like uh, DNA it, testing? it leaves the avenue of like straw man of like, look, the samples are destroyed here. When in reality, it could be that they're run through a computer and then a code, like the actual code data, like the, the, the actual, uh, the actual numbers are like cataloged and then sent off, you know, because you could have the physical mm. specimens, stay on site and then the uh like test results have specificity of like a key a key parameter that needs to be known that's uh like uh you know indicative of uh you know all the individuals in a population everywhere that's an excellent question uh yes are, are you getting are you getting towards uh, well, uh, what they were talking about with uh, like genetic weapons finding genetic keep okay uh, Miss Sophia, have you ever heard of that? 
genetic weapons, biological weapons targeted to specific oh, yeah, there's genetic patents for uh, that. features. Oh yeah, yeah, you're good to go. So are you okay. are you familiar? Right. Doug, she she is uh, pretty well versed. <laughs> she came in are, with politics. Are you familiar with the private DNA banks and the the GMCA and all that stuff? The genetic uh, what is it? Genetic yes. uh, What the hell is it? Genetic medical something of America? Yeah. I'm not familiar so with the GMC, GMC, but I am familiar with the DNA data banks. In fact, have I did you, a whole have you seen the, have thread you seen on the why PKU you shouldn't do 23andMe. For, for blood spot testing for newborns. Oh. Oh, man. Oh, man. Okay, here we go. Let me get, what? Let, no. I'm going to give you – I'm going to give you – I'm going to try to compress it. What is it. that? We, already, we, we actually already covered this in a, in a previous episode kind of uh, incidentally. Uh, but essentially – so the way – are you familiar with uh, like newborn blood screening for newborn children in hospitals all over? Okay, so that that procedure that procedure got developed yes. by a man uh, yes. named uh, Dr. Guthrie, and Dr. Guthrie was like a uh, that, that's a private, uh, you know, medical uh, like uh, inventor that had a personal, uh, you know, somebody that they knew had a child with PKU, and and so they developed the test through Miles Laboratory in the '60s. Uh, Miles Laboratory then got bought in his search for uh, like trying to find cheap manufacturing for the test. He came into contact with Bayer and Bayer bought Miles Laboratory. And then since the 60s, Bayer uh, like has been producing the PKU test homogeneously all over the world for all hospitals. And uh, the PKU um, is is, you know, obviously it's a it's a, a metabolism issue with newborn babies and it can be uh, fatal. Uh, like if you feed them the wrong things, it's, it's, it's 25,000, it's one in 25,000 prevalent. It's like, there's, one, there's a bunch it's of, like uh, one in or, or it, less. it depends on the, like it's, it is actually, it is actually because it's genetic. You can have different okay. genetic groups that don't have, uh, uh, that, that have a, uh, a greater prevalence, but it typically floats, I think between, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere between like one in 15,000 is the highest, but the point, the point being that there are a lot of conditions that are more prevalent than that that are not tested for. And so the, the PKU test, um, Guthrie actually got into a legal dispute um, with, with Bayer about this because they obviously, because they got, you know, secured government contract and implemented it and expanded it worldwide, they charge a fixed, you know, they have fixed pricing on it. And Guthrie got really upset because he wanted it to be like, uh, like a, a very cheap, you know, simple thing that people could do. And then it became, it became nationwide, then worldwide, and then it became mandatory. And now it's the case where it's so standardized that they, I mean, I've heard stories about people um, like, right. You know, with, I'm talking within like a minute and a half of delivery, like the baby gets whisked away and gets the, the MBS test. Like in some cases before, before the people get to hold their baby. Yeah. And so, and so this is the kicker, right? So, so all this oh stuff gosh. and how That's it got ridiculous. expanded, got um, lobbied through the uh, uh, APA and the uh, Genetic uh, Council Association of America or whatever it is, all these organizations who have crossover in their boards and stuff. So these people all know each other. They work together to create a false consensus for the United States government to uh, make this be like, uh, don't you want to save the babies? And then they got it expanded like everywhere. And then what happened was... 
Yeah. Babies' lives matter. Yeah, I know. I know. It, it, they are important. I'm just kidding. They are important. I'm joking. They are important, and that's why I'm. That's why I'm saying this. So, so the uh, the where, where this gets like spicy is that um, after this stuff gets implemented, there were some just just totally incidental cases where families were, you know, they 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 thought that the the blood screening, you know, they had a blood spot, they were storing it at the hospital or whatever. And they were like, let's get the blood spot. I think, I think if I'm not mistaken, I think the first instance was like, they just wanted it as like a token. Like, you know, like they just wanted to keep the blood spot. It's just like, yeah, that's our baby's blood spot. They couldn't find it. Uh, and so they, and so they like got a lawyer and then it opened up a gigantic state. It ended up in this massive statewide lawsuit where they figured out that all, like, I think it was the state of Texas. If somebody could look up a uh, PKU, uh, or, or newborn screening. And then if you go to the bottom, there should be like a section that's like controversy. And they put in the top of it, they put a bunch of bullshit that nobody cares I'm about. And isn't up. a controversy. And at the very bottom, it's like, it's like, and then in, you know, 2013, they found out in Texas that like millions of people had their genetic material sold to private DNA data, ba- data banks without the uh, parents knowledge. And then it turned out that it's every state in the United States, every state in the United States has a, uh, a law where it's basically a, an anonymity law where they don't, you know, they, they basically, the way they legally consider it is like, you get the newborn uh, screening, uh, we scrub the name, and now the sample's just like out to sale. And so they can, but they do have all of your genetic information. So they have like your, your if you're like a caucasoid, that's going to be on there. And it's going to say like who, you know, it's going to say like uh, whatever identifiable uh, information they can put on there biologically without having like the name. And then they send it to a DNA data database and it's most states, some states got in so much trouble that they did put on like a, a timeline of how long they could store it for other research, which range like most of them are like 20 years. So it's still very significant. I think most, I think most states are indefinite. Like it never, they just store them and sell them. And what actually happens is they get bought right away. So as soon as they're, as soon as they're done, as soon as they're done with the MBS screening, they get like, you know, technically anonymized yep. and they just sell them as batches to the DNA data banks and uh, D- DNA banks. And those DNA banks have crossover membership with the people that lobbied the American government to get the motherfucking laws passed in the first place, like on the board. They have the same they have the same members. So it's like it's a, an entire conspiracy to pull genetic information profiles and make a map datum of uh, genetic material since the 1960s for the entire planet. Not only that, the, uh, Russia in the 2000s implemented a law where they have a sh- very strict lockdown on export of uh, DNA material because of this exact thing, because they had NGOs coming to uh, uh, satellite states on the border of Russia and setting up shop and uh, like getting DNA. And so uh, the, the Russian government like put the clamp down on it. It's just it's just anecdotal, but it, it kind of gives uh, gives some illumination to like how serious this is. Uh, uh, also, there are there are news stories. Um, most of them are a few years old, but around the time that Twenty Three and Me got big, you also had NGOs doing a private DNA collection where they would simply set up in a park and hand out cash. Like uh, particularly, there was an incident in Philadelphia, and a bunch of uh, a bunch of residents yep. complained. Yeah, they complained about it because it was creepy as hell. Because they were setting up vans, I remember paying that. like low income or people the, the to story. come and do. They're just like, "What do we do? Like, you just give us your blood. We'll give you cash." And they're like, "Okay." 
and that you know like they were collecting dna so they're like covering down on the spots that for people that don't uh you know have uh, uh you know high uh, you know prevalence of interaction with hospitals that would be going and getting you know mvs and stuff they're trying to target them too you know it, along with and it and it coincided with 23andme and 23andme by the way 23andme with me is ran like their ceo is uh uh what, what what's her name dark wachowski Susan Wojcicki. So Wojcicki. Alphabet. Yeah, her this yep. her sister runs Twenty Three of Me. Yeah. Isn't that the Imagine YouTube that. person too? Yeah. Yeah, her sister's the CEO of YouTube. Yeah. And she was a senior vice president oh at God, Google. Oh my God! Isn't that weird? That and isn't that her, so weird? Genetics and. Her, and, and and her other sister is an assistant professor at the University of California in San Francisco with a PhD in anthro, uh, anthropologist yep, yep. and, and epidemiologist. Right and some, one of them is married to uh, the Facebook so, or Google creator. So, yeah, go ahead. It's no, all, no, no, it's no, all in the family. Well, no, I was going to say that, you know, looking at all the, the interconnection, uh, that the company Alphabet, is uh, the ownership um, of Google, of um, YouTube, and every arm of, of that. So every single spinoff, Vivo, ev everything is under the ownership of Alphabet. And I have a family member who is... Don't dox yourself. Uh, Don't do it. Don't do it. A part of... Don't do it. One of the companies. That's all I'm saying. Don't <laughs> do it. a part of one of the companies. And it always appears that that individual has extremely unique and privileged information that, uh, oh man. Um, yeah, go ahead, guys. Sorry. Yeah, so the. Miss Sophia. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, oh, please go ahead. Uh, I, I just want to want to hear Sophia's take on this and her interaction. Okay. So. Uh, with 23andMe and the whole DNA banks, the thing you need to know is, like you say, they are collecting it, they are mining it, they are creating bioweapons so they can target one specific set of the population without harming the rest. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is that they're selling your DNA results to so pharmaceutical companies. Are you saying that the pharmaceutical companies um, could uh, introduce uh, the DNA uh, vector of a, like a weaponized vector of possibility? Yes, absolutely. Inside of the pharmaceuticals. I've been talking about, you know, the pharmaceutical companies, the who, and multi-major uh, or multi-billionaire uh, people talking about Never. implementing sterilization in humanity to be able to reduce the population. And you do that if you're not doing it as a weapon of war for a specific genotype, you're doing it to be able to help uh, increase the miscarriage count or the ability to lower the sperm count, lower the testosterone level in people to be able to modify society without having Wait, to Sophia, I got, just sterilize I got a question people. for you. Are you, are you familiar and with that? Uh, that's the, the kind of one of the things I yeah, there's like, go ahead, Miss Sophia. Okay. I'm sorry. The opiates. The opiates. 
they they got like uh, they, sort of I think they yes yes oh I yeah the, the crisis yes they didn't want to do the payouts so I think they, they took bankruptcy a lawsuit yeah. but that that goes that goes in line with what you're saying about like because uh, they Disgusting. they had in the uh, in the AG um, like discovery or whatever or I don't know what whatever whatever silly formal court court document you call that they uh, they had uh, minutes from you know Purdue when they were doing oxycontin development and they. They were like giving code words and shit in the in the fucking white papers talking about like how they were targeting Caucasian people with opioid uh, opioid crisis. Shit, I'm a victim. Yeah, absolutely. And not only that, but they not only that, but they knew how addictive it is. But they still went to the doctors and said, "Hey, listen, I'll give you what hundred dollars a pill if you yeah. financial you know, if you yeah, treat the if financial. you treat the person with this with so, these pills." And- and I don't know if you guys know that. So yes, um, financial. I, uh, personally, struggle with opiate abuse and am now over ten years clean. But listen to. And does anyone else have anything to add before I kind of go through a quick do cycle? It. Do it. Do it. So um, when I was no. fifteen, um, I got given no, a go thirty-day script of Percocet, and uh, happened to injure my shoulder while I was you know, at the end of that prescription, got another 30 days of Vicodin and literally 60 days into it. Like it, it, it was over from that point, uh, two months, you know, using daily, um, to this day, you know, I, I, I haven't spent more than 24 hours without opiates in my body. And what, what they did, what Purdue did is Purdue created one of the most powerful, um, drugs that were not time released. Okay. There was a specific designing of this medication that you could just literally use your fingernail to scrape off the coating, put it in a spoon and slam and shoot it or, you know, chop it up and snort it. Well, you know, whatever, you know, Dark's like uh, throwing out all the slang words. You slam that shit, you know, I'm sorry. It's, you know, I'm I'm a junkie. (laughs) <laughs> yeah well I mean, yeah. It's, you know, it's a huge it's a huge epidemic i mean there's like you know it caused it caused hundreds of thousands of deaths across the united states but here's what they oh did, for sure though. listen to this so they they designed it specifically this way and they i mean they were literally pushing it they were giving uh incentives for doctors to prescribe this specifically way over medicating people that like unless you are dying there's no reason to take 80 milligram oxys, okay? And then they made it tamper-proof to where if Correct. a speck of water touched it, the entire pill would gel over and you would not be able to use it. So then this entire community of white kids, mostly, that are all using, fully physically addicted to it, went to the next thing that's yeah. cheaper and yeah. more powerful, which is heroin. So I would say that Purdue is likely... Um, heroin? For sure. In, it's you know, a coordination in, in, you know, poppy fields and shit like that. But to take it even a step further, now that I've been in treatment for almost 10 years, now I'm taking a different medication, which all of the it's uh, Suboxone, Subutex. There's several um, that are similar uh, subsolve, but it's cash only. And you're literally paying the same fucking comp. excuse me, the same companies cash to go it, it's just this crazy cycle yep they have the monopoly 
the companies that got you no, hooked, here's retreat. Now, yeah, I'll, the companies that got you hooked else, are saying, because, okay, now you know, pay me for I mean, there's a difference. You know, we, we, after you go see your doctor. Because of, because of controlled alt media, there is a lot of uh, conspiracy going around everywhere. And what we're talking about is not conspiracy. It, it, it is a conspiracy. It is a conspiracy, but it's against you. It's not like no. a conspiracy, an accusatorial no. conspiracy theory against other people. It's there is a conspiracy against you. Now, if you if you can recall, like I don't know, you know, there, we talk to a lot of veterans. So we're like most of us are veterans. The the the, the people that uh, watch this stuff, it's very heavy combat veteran, uh, you know, oriented. And uh, you know, there are a lot of people that were in the Afghan theater that understood, you know, that, you know, we, we were, we were, you know, providing security for the approved poppy fields and burning the ones that weren't under the thumb. So like the ones that weren't set up with the uh, system to like be selling to Johnson and Johnson or whatever, they're getting burned out. Like they get, they get, they get, you know, they get, uh, yeah, uh-huh, exactly. With the US military. And then and then, we kill, and then we kill their militiamen that are like trying to defend their poppy fields. Yeah, of course. So the uh you know, that also coincided yeah. with the fentanyl introduction from China. So like China, you know, China only in the last twenty years uh has has developed their gigantic, just just unmatched capacity for synthesized chemicals for everything for, I mean, if you are, if you are a competitive manufacturer that uses chemicals, like if you, I don't know, or some company in the S and you sell like boiler cleaner product, or you sell like pool chemicals or you sell, you know, I mean, whatever you, you, you make consumer products with, uh, you know, uh, soaps and stuff like that. There is a extremely high chance that you get a bulk of your chemicals or all of your chemicals imported from China because that's the way it's been set up internationally. And no, no, you go right ahead. You just, you just interrupt anytime. Well, what we learned through the COVID, Oh, I'm sorry. What we learned through COVID, what we learned through COVID is that China produces 80% of all the antibiotics, all of our pharmaceuticals. Right. And what we found, then we learned they own 90% of all the minerals the mineral rights. So we can't even produce penicillin in America. We can't even produce aspirin. In fact, we don't even have the yeah, resources to get yeah, the minerals to do it and ourselves. The if we why they to. shut it all down. You know how terrifying they, is that? They worked. They lobbied. They they gave bribes. Yes. They they bought them all so, out. So this is this is a situation where it's really like you have to understand. Like the American people, a part of this process, they need to understand two things. Number one is that. You, you got to look at this. You got to say, like, what is going on here is definitely on purpose, and nobody uh, is going to admit that. Okay, and and when we chase the uh, the the fleeting satisfaction of like, I just don't want to be crazy. Like, just admit that somebody's wrong. You know, that is uh, not keeping your eye on the prize. The eye on the prize is is the prize of liberty and uh, being able to not not be enslaved. Like we just, we just don't want to be enslaved. Okay. And so, to, freedom. so to do that, to do that, you ha like, like there is right. no, I mean, can you imagine the amount of uh, coordination and uh, expertise it would take to replicate what has been done to us? Like I can't even imagine, there's no movies, there's no books or movies or uh, 
Like there is no model for it. It's it's not a normal thing. It is. It's very long. But it's also taken decades to get yeah. to this point. And and these it's the know, boiling of the frog. These companies like yeah, they're, it's beyond, they're ours. In their, it's beyond our scope. Gas. You know, like Bear Bear invented yeah, yeah exactly uh, the high explosives that you would use to fight a war. You know, like Bear they they funded like development of advanced weapons and technology and stuff. Like we are not going to fight to get out of this. The only way that you're going to get out of this is is I mean you could fight as an individual. But if you're an individual by yourself surrounded by zombies, like you're not going to do very well. The only way that we're going to get out of this is for people to, to wake up and realize that it's, that it's not only is it wrong, not only is it against their interests, it is going to come meet them head to head. And they are going to have to either yield to it or they're going to have, or they're going to have to like decide if they want to, you know, go up against it or whatever. And it's not going to go very well if you go from, like I bought my gas from, you know, from uh, BP and then I, you know, got my coffee from Starbucks and then I, you know, uh, got my, my cl- you know, like there is no way to uh, win that way. The only possible way would be to have free finance. We can't get that because it's completely captivated. They would never let you compete. The only way that you can do it is to produce everything that you use in-house. That's it. That's the only way. There's no, there's no other way. Um, and then if we do that, then Correct. we can have some ground to say no. But if we're totally dependent and if we're like, we don't want to do that, can we have a cookie? <laughs> then then we're never going to be free. That's the thing. We never need. We were completely self-sufficient. We were a rich land that needed nothing until international trade. We were also on the gold standard. Now, I, I will say against the gold standard, which uh, Doug has brought up to my attention, the gold standard literally is just because we put faith in gold. If all of a sudden, put it like this, Sophia, um, end of the world happens, it's SHTF, and you have an ounce of gold, and you come up to me, and I have water. And you say, here, I'll give you this ounce of gold for that well, water. And I look at you and I say, what the hell can player. I do with that gold? <laughs> I can't do anything <laughs> with it. How about you bring me something the, useful? Bring me a deer hide. Bring me meat. Bring me a big lighter. Bring me grain seed or a bullet. I, and yeah, no problem. We'll trade then. Gold standard, what we which I used to gold. think for the longest time, was the gold standard, quote unquote. But at the end of the day... Right, but at the end of the day, yeah. gold doesn't the, do anything. You know what? I'll take silver over big, gold any day because you the put big silver point, in your the canteen. Big point, and this is silver getting is into anti-fungal, a little bit more and it can help really purify go. water. But just, just, be, I mean, just to, just to try to give some useful information or useful insight on this, the gold, the gold standard has another name, which is called the gold fix, which is literally a some dudes that sit around. They now do it online. They, they did it for hundreds of years in an office in London after the Cromwell Revolution. And it's all, you can look up the, the gold fix and I'll talk about it. I'll say like the time that they did it and everything. And what that means is that the gold as a commodity money has a value that is arbitrary that is assigned to it. Now, because of the way that gold is implemented as a tactical like weapon, like a monetary weapon, 
it has to remain stable. So it is not in the interest of the people that fix gold to have it go willy nilly and all over the place. You know what I mean? And so gold, gold acts as a reserve currency, but what it really is, is like, if yeah. you notice, like you can't go into uh, like a Burger King and buy a Whopper with, you know, uh, uh, like, yeah, yeah. A, 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 yeah. With a, <laughs> with a, with an ancient, you know, Roman coin, like it's not going to work. But at one time you could, you know, interchange Roman coins and gold like interchangeably. And when Rome or, or like Greek money or, or Roman uh, specie, when that died and went to, you know, dust, everybody jumped off of that currency and went to gold. You see what I'm saying? So it is the, it is the lifeboat, the lifeboat that is necessary as a commodity, uh, a yeah. commodity money to facilitate the changing and updating of currency because what happens is as the nations have their wealth siphoned away and their their money supply increases exponentially and the value therefore decreases and the the the, the consequence bearer of that is the, the the man on the street or the woman on the street whatever it's people right it's not it's not the it's not the people making the money it's the people because they're they're the they're the consequence bearer all of that value uh that that they lose goes to like gold and that is that is why it is kept at such a stable reserve because it is the left hand the dollar a weak dollar a crashing dollar a crushing reichsmark a crushing you know whatever colonial script whatever it is in any given century that is the right hand gold silver platinum like commodity metal that is the left hand Miss hmm. Sophia um, and Doug uh, and Dark, I, I don't mean to do this, but I actually like to change up the topic and give uh, Miss Sophia the ball and let her shoot whether conspiracy theory or anything else under the sun. Um, seeing as we can get esoterical and go, you know, multiple different ways, Miss Sophia, uh, throw out something. Uh, completely oddball or something that um, after you heard you know Dugan which I, I've told you he's like a cyborg he has a knowledge and a backstory on history and he can tell you about the individuals throughout history to be able to lead us to where we're at you are more current on your political side on focusing on what is going on with the governments and between China and the U.S. But I do know that you have backstory on other subjects and stuff of that nature. So I just want to throw it out there. Uh, throw out an oddball. Is anyone, uh, refresh. Is refresh anyone us. familiar with the Insurrection Off Act? track oddball. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, um, yes. Good question. Um, the Insurrection Act. Um, that is when the president oh, can rebellion? commandeer the military to rebellion? take over... In the Institute okay, Martial yeah. Law, I believe so. Okay, yes. Yeah. Do you, have you guys heard any rumors about that happening anytime soon, media, or exactly. how that would play I'm out? About ninety thousand percent sure that 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 is uh, uh, like the real gravy uh, propaganda. Like that is the. It, here's the reason why it's targeted toward who, who's who's listening to it conservatives who who what, what kind of person is listening to it people with guns 
Okay. Who's not listening to it? Uh, like liberals and uh, people that don't have guns. People that don't have guns. People that people that can't that can't institute physical Normies. change and uh, like yeah. shift out a government under uh, unlawful circumstances. Because to do that, you need guns and you need a lot of force. And that is not who's reading that. I know. Hmm. All right. Thanks. But what 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 does Sophia think about it? Uh, hey, uh, hold on. I just want to say something a little bit funny right here. Oh, I don't have any, any thoughts on it. Uh, I just heard rumor. Ba- I've, people what, were what uh, talking about it? it. I looked it up and I was like, mm, no. I think the the, the Insur- Insurrection Act is kind of a, a term that's, that's uh, used inappropriately because technically the Insurrection Act was even um, uh, applied in Portland, Oregon, when they put uh, the National Guard out on the streets. I think it's it's something that like, you know, when you hear martial law, the first thing that you think of is like the Gestapo, you know, accommodating townhomes to, you know, uh, like replenish their gear. Like you just get this picture in your head of just a nightmare, right? War on the streets. And I'll agree that it's likely, you know, geared like from alt media to anyone right of center that uh, um, is more likely to be a military aged male that's armed. And I think that it's uh, likely propaganda, but I also think the term may be misused at times, but I'm not certain because, you know, I'm going off of Pro- uh, prop- un, uh, propaganda is know, a bad term stuff that's to use done. for that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was first, it was, yeah. Yeah, it was first. Uh, it was first talked about and discussed in 1807, and 1878, uh, which limits the use of military personnel under federal command and law enforcement purposes within the United States. Uh, and then they ended up changing it again in 2006 and 2007. There was an amendment. Yeah, what was the amendment? Uh, which? Uh, to Miss Sophia's credit, I'm going to bring this up. And it's gone. Um, one, uh, I, yeah. I didn't, I just literally I clicked off. The, uh, <laughs> You're too slow. The data source. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> so, so basically one thing that I learned was from George Bush Sr.'s time, and I think it started a little bit in Reagan's time, but mainly George Bush Sr.'s mm-hmm. time, the head of the CIA back then that ended up becoming the U.S. president. And his one son that, what, he passed away and then George Bush Jr. ended up getting the presidency and then Clinton, then Obama. They kept on adding to it to the point where if we were to go to a point where the president needed to interact uh, or um, uh, put his foot down and use this policy, we no longer have to go back to Congress to ask for a, uh, a a renewal of the power every three to six months or however many days it was. I know I'm wrong on this, so, but uh, there was a certain amount of time where he had to ask for another, um, basically another stipend check on his power. Well, where we are at truly is if we were to go to this point in time and this were to be enacted, the president 
is literally and legally allowed to hold on to full command and power so, like a dictator until Sophia, he deems it fit yeah. so to I, relinquish I really, power I just wanna, and go I back to our like, republic. Cut the yeah, bullshit not here. democracy, uh, our republic. And just, and just ask something like totally, yes. totally uh, straight up here. Do you, do you, you know, like right now, everybody, everybody in the United States is very invested into the identities that have been uh, served to them of like what, what the bodies of people are in the United States of the population. Like you got Antifa, you got the BLM, you got the, the proud boys, you got the conservatives, you got the NRA, you know, there's just like all these little uh, identities, identities that have been created and uh, like tailored and stitched together identities. as like a storefront sign. Like this is where you buy this. And uh, you know, <laughs> Boogaloo boys. Yeah. The uh, so, so, are you what that you know, and especially with the socialism, with the like rampant uh, like display of socialism, yeah. it it causes it's it's very easy for people to be like, I am not going to choose that choice, so I choose this choice. Do you get the impression that uh, these things are not what they seem, and that we are uh, really getting a uh, ride here? Okay, okay, okay. Could you talk about that? Oh, absolutely. How, like, your, your, oh, for sure. Uh, oh, absolutely. Like, whatever Hands your experience is with, is with that, and how and how it's changed over the years. Like where where, uh, like where yeah. I'm assuming that you didn't feel that way your whole life. Like, did you feel that way when you were a kid or something, or or when did you kind of change for you? Um, could you, could you tell honestly, us about that? I was asleep until my grandma woke me up. Yeah, I'd love to hear about. <laughs> I know that sounds. That. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm. We're interested. Most, <laughs> Funny story. Wow. So okay, never mind. I'm I was asleep for a really long time. I married my husband, and he would try to like tell me things, and I would be like, "You're crazy." And he tried for several years to like wake me up to like politics and how it's just a charade, and like the left and the right, they're playing for the same people. They're the same coin. Like it doesn't matter who's president. Like he's been trying to tell me all and like things that were happening. He's like, that's not how it happened. Like that's not real. And I didn't believe yeah, him. Definitely. Oh, am I? Oh. Are you married to Dugan? No. <laughs> Just finish oh, the fucking story. Someone had to fill the spot. On this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anyway, so my grandma, well, it was my, uh, my grandma was like watching all these YouTube videos about conspiracy theories and researching all this stuff. And she would constantly send me stuff about all sorts of everything. And how, I how, honestly had no interest long, in it. Ago? I didn't like, want to talk about it. I want to watch it. I thought it was just, you know, cuckoo for cuckoo puffs. Okay. Okay. I would say five years ago. Um, however, I was watching it and I was reading it because I assume this is her way to connect with me. Right. So I would watch it. I'd read it. We discuss it. Um, and then after I would say about two years, she finally sent me a video and I wish I could remember the name of the video it was a three hour video. But basically it, it went from like the Titanic all the way up to present day. And it talked about all that was happening and how it connected all the dots and it put it in a timeline that I could understand. And I, and I understood what the invisible hand is and what the cabal is. And that's when I was like, Oh wow, like this is real. Um, so that's what started my journey into the great awakening to be like, all right, everything I know is false. That's, so that's, uh, let me really research good. for myself. Yeah. And that's and what how I've been how doing. Your grandma feel now? Like how, how is, I'm sorry. Is your, is your grandma still with us? Okay. Okay. 
Sure. Oh, she is. She is. Yeah. Um, at this point, she yeah. thinks it's yeah. the end I of the mean, world, and we're all gonna die. Like it's the apocalypse. There's Jesus really is not it, logically. There's not a uh, you know. I mean, I, you have to have. I mean, personally, you know. I mean, when I say end, I mean like there is no end and no beginning. But, but you know, this is the end of uh, what we know and uh, this paradigm. Yeah, and it's uh, and it's paradigm. unlike anything else. And uh, yeah, there's a new shift coming. I think that's pretty obvious because you can't really, you can't really, uh, you can't really extend a scenario where the charade continues the uh no it'll be a dark winter well that that and i feel like there's so many people waking up to the fact that mainstream media is lying to them about everything and everything um that people are starting to break free of the matrix so to speak and i think we're gonna we're just waiting for that point where enough people break free from the matrix start thinking for themselves looking at things critically uh, and that only at that point so, so, will things massively change I, but i think we're getting there I, I agree but i disagree at the same time i think a lot of people they are going to be just like these police officers uh that were you know we were standing with them saying back the blue and they were like awesome you know people are backing us they don't want us defunded and then all of a sudden turns around and these police officers or military in the future uh, say, you know what? We don't want to be broke. We don't want to have to fight for resources. We're going to, we're going to, you know, go towards whoever gives us the fiat currency or whoever lets us freaking suck off the teeth. So it, like I, I see a whole bunch of trial and tribulation until a lot of people come to the awakening but, you know, I still see this years off before we come to the awakening because we're going to be worse than 1984, uh, wonder, the, the George, uh, George Orwell uh, book. I feel like that's just the uh, the nature of humans, though. You know, I don't think that would ever escape. I mean, I know we're always going to have, like, I agree with Sophia that a lot more people are waking up. I think that has to do with the availability of, of information. Yeah, I think that we've all had uh, like that feeling that a friend lied to you and you're like, oh, my God, like, how could you do that? Right. Uh, there are a lot of people watching the MSM and when they're seeing stuff on the mainstream media and then they finally catch it, because that's what I when I when I try to wake people up. I know if I go to them talking about world government, they're going to be like, what happened to dark? Right. So all I say is just challenge everything challenge everything research everything you know come to your own conclusion and then when they start to see the msm lie that's when they're like whoa hold on for a second yeah if everybody tells you this is the truth you better step back and take a, another look just uh and i'm not a real religious person but i do have a higher being that i hold truth in um the, the religious doctrines is not meant for somebody else to read to you. You're supposed to interpret it for yourself. And every year, every day that goes by, that same passage, you can interpret it differently. But you need to do your due diligence and look out and try to gather your own knowledge and be able to get a better understanding of what's going on and not allow the crowd mentality you guys, uh, you guys want to, um, for a second? to influence you on this. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. So if that's, if oh, that's why yes. I get weird, I mean, bring I think, it on. You know, I'm so other excited. Than placating to the uh, uncomfortability of like having to break this stuff to somebody that is like brand new, since we're not dealing with that, and we're and we're and we're you know we're, we're we're kind of all over that hump here, and so we can we can 
Come look at something a little bit more interesting. Just just try it out. Just see just see how it looks. The uh, so we can all agree that you know, regardless of what what is really going on, and uh, you know all the steps that it's taken that are certainly uh, premeditated, and not only premeditated but very very good. Uh, and by good I mean effective, like very precise, and uh, there's like serious expertise like the cutting the cutting edge of the cutting edge of everything like beyond 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 the level of uh precision and control that we are accustomed to and even like uh in like you know our relationship to consumer products that we you know uh, anyway anyway the smartest billions of dollars smartest, were spent the, the to analyze, people going to uh, building their populace. own schools and then <laughs> yes. tearing them down and then putting up new ones to make them better and like you know just just garbling just just getting all of the all of the technology that gets released through like patent designs and just like harnessing it uh, for a, a unified you know purpose which is which is this don't you think that they know Hey, Dark, hold on one second. This is not a conspiracy, uh, conspiratorial thing. It's we a have a two hour, yeah, we have a two hour time limit yep. before uh, it cuts us off. So we're waiting on Dugan to finish. I got dropped. Yeah, uh, we have a two hour time limit before it drops Hello? us. Oh, there we go, Miss Sophia. We have a two hour uh, time limit before like it I've drops us. Yes. Yeah, it gets crazy. It gets crazy. We'll wrap it up. We'll wrap it up. We're not. We're not going to go too much longer. Right. Was, it, we, we'll go two hours if it's interesting. This is an interesting. You know, like people are going to listen. You're going to get some lessons out of this. Um. So, so I, I don't know where that cut off. I don't even know if we want to go there. But, but what I was asking was if, if we're sure that these people are so, you know, what is being done is a, a perfect, you know, a per, a purposeful design. Do you think that the purpose really in the end is like. It, it, to me, it doesn't seem logical that you have that much care and thought in the uh, destruction of people to to just have it at the end like we're just going to fight them and kill them or whatever. You know, like to me, to me, it it doesn't. You know, like I don't know. It's very, it's very. It almost seems like there is a challenge here. Dugan, I I will say kind of what you're saying right now, and I'm just going to give a little caveat. I've explained to friends and family and outsiders that we're at the first time, this is a precipice of history. We're at the first time where the small 1% that controls the majority of everything can actually wipe out the majority of the populace and hide in underground bunkers, make genetic freaking weapons and inoculate themselves against it. We're That's at the true. first time in history where the one percent or the point zero zero one percent can actually, you know, play God on this earth. Before that, revolution was we went in there, we beheaded people like in France and other countries, and these bankers and these, uh, you know, powerful families and entities. They ran away to other sides of the earth. And then they, you know, slowly, you know, brought indoctrination, trade and commerce, and then their power and influence into other places. We're at that first time in history. 
And this happened, you know, in the early 2000s when maybe even a little bit sooner than that. But we're there. We are there where, you know what, literally one day we might have somebody come over the TV screen and say, hey, you guys better ship up and uh, ship up and shape uh, or (laughs) shape up and ship out or you guys are all going to die and we're going to keep a small select group of humanity. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. But but the weird part, the weird part, doesn't it yeah. seem like the the extension of all this, like what you just described, of course, that that would be a logical extension. There is a parallel logical extension where that could like cover and be assumed as the purpose. It could also be like because just because of the care, right? Like 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 brutality doesn't really have I mean, at least in what I've observed in the world, like of nature and of uh, just the way that systems work, the way that things are, you know, like things that we don't have any control over, just, just patterns that I see. Doesn't it seem like the level of uh, effectiveness is kind of beyond that of like the purpose of uh, destruction, like in a way, of course, of course, what's happening is absolutely destructive. That's not, that's not what I mean. I mean, like, like it's a challenge, like, 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 like this is a challenge for us to meet to, to create a better world. But doesn't it, doesn't it feel like that a little bit? Like those are two parallel things. And if you look at it on one side of the coin, you see like the, this is the end and we have to like, you know, fight to the death and stuff. And then the other end of the coin, you see it like, like, you know, we have so to many. unite and overcome. Yeah. You know, if, if you know what you say, you, do you know what Doug, you saying it like that, you're giving me a different viewpoint and Maybe this is the trial and tribulation period where somehow the masses of the world, because you've been overseas, I've been overseas, Doug, um, you know, in a military uh, uh, conflict. But at the same time, the people, the the literal people that you meet, the ones that aren't the, the fighters and this or that. They're the same as, you know, the mom and pop, you know, cattle farm. In freaking Idaho, but on their scale, they're, everybody is generous and willing to help another human being. And it's not the small people. It, it's the small percentage of the people controlling. And I would really love to think that, uh, that we might be at that precipice where it's the flip of the coin. On the one side, it's everybody fighting to the death. And the other side, it might be us breaking ranks and finding unity in humanity. You know, it's going to depend on how their plan unfoils. Sophia, what are your thoughts on that? Dark, I was trying to set it up for a, for you to plug Wildcore there. Come on. Man. Oh. <laughs> I was asking for Sophia for her thoughts first. No, no, I, I'm just kidding. <laughs> of course. Um, no, I agree with you. Um, yes. <laughs> I feel like the universe operates like on a yin and a yang. I think there's evil and goodness, but I think goodness triumphs evil. I think love overcomes hate. And therefore I think that, yeah, there's death and destruction at all times and the nuclear blast can go off. We all die. Like it's possibility. Yeah, sure. However, I feel like we're going through a transition at this point with more and more people waking up and more and like more and more people waking up. And with COVID actually, what I've noticing is that people um, through these trials and tribulations are realizing, hey, I don't need the $5,000 X, Y, B, or C. Like, they're becoming less superficial. They're beca- I mean, 
they're, they're no longer following the idols of sports actors. They're not being distracted by all these trivial things. And I feel like through what we're going through right now, that people are really reassessing their lives, what makes it, what makes things enjoyable for them, what they enjoy, what they want to do. And it's bringing families together and families are starting to have family time together, starting to have dinner together. And I feel a shift in which people want to help one another. And I do see that, I don't know how, but I do feel that in the end, um, we as a human species are going to elevate ourselves to a higher I don't want to say higher being like a spiritual ghost or anything, but like just to a higher level in which we collectively come together and create an energy, an energy shift or I'm, I'm trying to sound, I'm not trying to sound like no, you just, you just like, talk. No, 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 no. no. You, you just, you just, you just aim at your heart. <laughs> you aim at your heart and you think about all those things that get in the way every day where you can't express yourself in the way that you really want to. You don't have to do it either. Just say we don't hold say. anything back here. But um, yeah, so but I feel like we're elevated as a human species. We are collectively coming together and we're operating at a higher frequency. And somehow we somehow we're going to overcome all of this. Somehow we are going to take down the one percent. I just don't know how I would like to do it with love. But we do it through love. But we do it through love. Love is the answer. Whatever it is, love is the I would answer. Like to, I yeah, would like to I would like to I would like to use. I would like humanity to use this opportunity to really harness the power of truth and, and love and to, uh, because the reality is if you analyze this uh, physicality, which is material, if you analyze it in the way that it works, like a, like a fluid system, like a hydraulic system, like any engineering system, the only power is from all these people. That's it. Like all, all of this, we the people have yeah, the power, and, and it's all—it's all being the—it's the, the, like that. Uh, it's like that. Uh, the gun is in my hand, right? Like the—the <laughs> the gun is not in your hand. The gun is in my hand, right? Like from uh, from uh, what is that movie? Uh, Fight Club, right? At the end of Fight Club, right? When a gun disappears out of out of one guy's hand and appears in the other hand, it's like it's like the uh, the mm. power, all of the power, and the and the force that's used against us is ourselves. And uh, by recognizing this and to, and to consider for a moment that, you know, with all of this technology that we've uh, poured so much of our time into and so many of our days where we work, you know, for someone else, somewhere, so, you know, someone, someone somewhere else that we don't see where, the, where, where like our profits go, we're, we're just, we're, not at home. We're not with family. We're not, you know, we're spending too much time working. We don't have days off. We don't have, and, and despite all this, despite all this technology and all the declarations of how there's peace when there's no peace and how there's, uh, you know, there, there's a justice here, but, but somehow there's just one group undermining the justice. Uh, you know, if we could just all turn against that one group now and then another group later, then we could fix that. Despite all of this, uh, declaration we still like there there's no food for everybody you know like we certainly certainly with all of the uh you know technology that's out there and the uh the the massive like waste and fraud and abuse through bureaucracy around the world to corporate uh you know gluttony like you'd think that we could just make something where it's like yeah we just have nut trees everywhere 
Like you could just go eat, you know, we put nut trees everywhere. It was no big deal. It only cost a billion dollars, you know, we put them everywhere and now they've stayed there forever. They just keep regenerating and, you know, homeless people can go eat them or whatever. Or if you're outside, you can just go, you know, you can go eat the nuts and, uh, you know, eat, eat some uh, pecans. You and your fam- you and your family are down on your luck and you have no way to feed yourselves and you can go out to a food forest. Uh, fruit trees, nut trees, and be able to sustain yourselves until you're able to come back or, up. Or, can, can I jump in on that? Yeah, of course. So, one of the things that, and I completely agree, like this uh, love, truth, and compassion will will always, always outweigh evil and and hate and murder and. And plus, love is way more inexpensive than ammunition. And um, I think that one of the things that uh, um, Cliff was, um, um, one of the things that was said was uh, the control uh, piece of it. Okay, the 1% of the control. And every single person in the world is, is at the mercy of, you know, their own municipal water. Their on their food can get shut off. Their water can get shut off. Their everything that they have, they do not have control. They have a false sense of control. And whatever way that this goes, and I hope that it's the way of, you know, love, peace, freedom, and compassion and truth. And if it is not, um, you know, how how would we create a sanctuary where, like you guys said, where they could go, uh, where anyone could go? And be nourished and have peace and serenity and food. And and that that is what something like Wildcore um, would fulfill. And uh, I know Dugan and, and, you know, you guys just started uh, touching on it. Uh, what would something like that look like? Yeah, I mean, it's... Hey, Dugan, would be great. Well, go ahead, Sophia. Oh, I, I, I don't think it would last long. Only if it's, only if really? it's one place. I, it has to be homogenous everywhere. That's the that's the trick. There has to be so many that they can't be burned down. Yeah. It, what if it couldn't be stopped? Right. Like think. I know. Like GWAT guys. Will oh, like hold them. hold on hold on hold on everybody. Sophia, you don't know about Wildcore. Wildcore I, is the initiative on uh, that Mr. Dugan uh, actually kind of started up or was instrumental on on trying to get off the ground, which we're still, we're still working on uh, to be able to do food forests on public uh, or BLM land, whatever we can do. Uh, but to be able to give, you know, you know, a thousand years of repopulating uh, trees uh, to be able to help feed the populace on down and out times, drought times, whatever it may be. But um, that that's, yeah, private land mainly, because uh, if it's government controlled, then yeah, there's a whole bunch of BS. But with that being said, go ahead and say what you were going to say. I'm sorry. Oh, that's it. I thank you for letting me know about Wildcore. I actually would like to help you guys. I've got ideas for that. But um, for the food forest, um, I won't tell you where I live, but where I live, we actually do have uh, private lands in which people have turned them into community gardens in which it's completely open and free and they just have random pe- um, people come and till the soil and water the plants. And yeah. Now see the, awesome. the, the difference, I imagine that there's some, um, 
you know, like I've seen, I've seen uh, municipal gardens in cities and stuff and they, and they typically, you know, they're, they're, you can use them. Um, it, it sort of requires management. The difference, the difference is that this is all uh, like hands-off perennial, like, you know, multi-generate, like, like trees that live a long time. And then they're all, uh, you know, so it's like, nuts. Yeah. It's, it's only nuts and fruit and then like uh, water and fish, you know, so it's like stuff that is regenerative, but, but I do agree. I do agree that if if you made it, and if there was one, then it would be absolutely eviscerated, <laughs> like <laughs> eviscerated. In the yeah, in, apocalyptic. In, immediately. But if if you put them in prox in walking distance outside of the commercial areas of every city, and if they're if they're established with the rule of no commercial activity, so there is no like you can't you know you can't go in there as a municipality and police it and go in and harass people. You can't now the, the flip side of that is you can't go in there and like, you know, be like selling something. You can't go in there and set up a stand or something, but by doing that, you remove the, the conduit of uh, invitation for like, uh, you know, regulatory control for oversight, for management. And then by removing the annual, you know, like the, the traditional annual farm thing, uh, that model, something that's like uh, labor intensive and requires management. When you remove that and you go into uh, just, you know, you know, literally like tree, trees that bear calories of any type that will work in that zone. And then you just mass populate and then you put it outside of every city within walking distance. It becomes at first a recreational area. Then if you get invaded by China, it becomes somewhere where you're like, there is a, uh, T90 tank driving down my street. I am going to go down to the park <laughs> and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and then it becomes, and then it becomes after that, whenever you get the puppet governments playing games with you, it becomes a, uh, you know, like this, this almost like a focal point, like a resource where, you know, especially if they're big enough where it's like, they're not going to like it. And it forces a, uh, kind of a catharsis between people and like states you know if people use them hey Dugan I will have to say I do want some type of oversight on all of these pieces of land and I want him to be a hillbilly from the Appalachian area <laughs> named Billy Bob with overalls and a double barrel shotgun and anytime somebody grabs too much shit he's like no uh uh I don't. I don't reckon that you should be taking hey. that. I, hey. I want that guy, and he's also. I, recu I, I have recused myself. I, I've recused myself. So I'm just. I'm a cheerleader. I'm a cheerleader now. I'm not involved. It's not my say. I know, and and Mr. Dark, we're waiting on you, my friend. Yeah, I, I know. I know you are there, and um, we we're trying to get everything going and i know mr dark has a lot of things personally that he has to attend to but um hopefully we can get a a fire lit underneath his cheeks and get these things moving now i would say I, um I, if i may just really quickly i would say uh, let's light a fire under the cheeks of the irs and uh, make sure that we have our 501c3 steps. oh yeah um if uh if we do a, it Do is a shout out. Actually, a possibility that we uh, have it. Um, so let me let me 
clarify that. Mr. Taxman, we need our 503. Elon uh, Musk. We need, if, we need uh, Elon Musk. Saying, if you're listening to this, we need you to uh, apply pressure to uh, Kentucky IRS office for uh, yes, specifically with your middle yep. finger. And if you can't do that, let's do the fruit trees on Mars. Come on. We know we're going there, right? <laughs> now, um, until we get our IRS status uh, for a 501c3, which is a charitable organization, um, we cannot accept donations uh, effectively. We can, but it's not tax deductible, and there's some other things that go along with that. So um, if you're interested, go if you go to Google and type in Wildcore, which is C-O-R-P-S. Um, you can go to our website. It's wildcore. With a hyphen. Hyphen. Yeah, wild-core.org. And um, send, us a, send us an email at info at wild-core, which is spelled out C-O-R-P-S, dot org. And um, we would love to get people that are interested. We'd love to get people that, you know, would like to uh that have land that would like to donate land as opposed to sell it if, if any type of involvement volunteers uh donations provided that we're you know uh we're still waiting on approval like i said um this is something that could literally change the future of our world you know what can we turn the country back into the country at one point was a fruitful place that you know we were self we were in a very different position until we got into this international trade mess that put us where we are. That devalued everything and everyone. Also, so, I, also I they can do fuel trees. So they can do they can do fuel trees for synthesis gas to produce hydrocarbon fuels, all that stuff. It's it's a very yeah. what's that uh, so that would be that would be like when you take bio. So if you take biomatter, uh, like in World War Two, they they developed the process. Yeah, like gasification. gasification. So you. So you you burn, you know, biomaterial that is, uh, you know, as dense as possible. You get greater energy. You can render off all of your hydrocarbon chains from hexane, gasoline, diesel, kerosene, all that stuff. And so one of the theoretical models with this is that uh, we build gigantic, uh, like quick propagating, you know, black locust stuff that grows everywhere. That is, that is almost like nuisance trees that are high energy dense. And then we, uh, you know, make local facilities everywhere where municipalities have access to these places, like the people do, and they render their own fuel. That way they can stop buying BP oil, but they have, you know, a fuel crew that's like volunteer and they process, you know, wood and all this stuff's theoretical. Uh, they, they First, they've just got to get started, but. Yeah. All right. I want to I want to change things up because I know we're coming at the end of our podcast. Miss Sophia, I know you said you do a lot of political and stuff, but I want to hear your number one conspiracy. What? And I'm I'm very curious because it can range from everything under the sun, from aliens to ancient civilizations to this to that. I want to hear the juiciest conspiracy theory that you have on hand. Oh my gosh. My mind's Don't going blank. I know so well no, it's not. My mind's just going Whoa. blank. There's so many <laughs> Okay, you're the you're the same as me. Because I have a ton I, of conspiracy theories. I can tell you about how religion is all diver, uh, all derived from ancient Samaria. Every biblical and religious text from every uh society all comes from ancient Samaria. 
We can go into, you know, ancient history. We can go into cryptids. We can go into anything about, under the aliens? sun. Uh, whatever the first I thing. I guess what I, I, I guess Dude, my. Do you really yeah. want to do aliens again? Well, I was. Th- how about Antarctica oh. and what's underneath Antarctica? Ooh. Okay, Doug. Do you know I, anything about Antarctica or ancient history? Uh, uh, I I I have purposely avoided all of the Antarctica stuff merely because I have such a mountain of stuff like crammed into my eyeballs and under my nose. I'm up to my ears. And so uh, Antarctica is very far away. And so I haven't done it, but I will tell you this. I will tell you that the, you know, like Antarctica and, uh, and uh, uh, like the North pole, their names derive from bear and no bear. So Antarctica means no bear. Yeah. Because it's really? no polar bears. Because I was because not aware of that. You're right, when you're right. up north, if, if you're not familiar with this, so like, uh, like grizzlies can be somewhat aggressive, but the polar bear is like the actual nightmare of what people think about bears. Like the grizzly bear, yeah, you, yeah, you can be fine with White a grizzly bear, with a grizzly. With a polar, you're if you see them, that means that's because they're coming to eat you. <laughs> yeah they're, they're, if, you, if you see them walking at you that's because they traveled you know 20 miles off of like uh like some scent that you dropped earlier and there's nothing between you and where where they're coming from except ice and uh you're the meat so all those coca-cola commercials that they, they tricked me man i thought polar bear were the sweetest animals why didn't you just want to go give it a little big hug, yeah. cuddle with it? Yeah, eat my face. <laughs> have you ever seen the seal, the the pictures of like when it's like polar bear, like they'll have like helicopter pictures usually, and it's like an iceberg with like a polar bear, and he's like, like looking all sweet and stuff, and he's just completely. I mean, it just looks like Texas Chainsaw Massacre underneath him, with with baby seals, baby seals yeah. and stuff on the iceberg. Yeah, freaking intense, bro. Very. Well, what do you want to say about Antarctica? So, yeah, what is underneath Antarctica? I'm, I'm curious. What's underneath Antarctica? <laughs> um. Okay, so according to the Nazis, they drew up plans and there's, um, I guess there's a whole tunnel or underground between the North and the South Pole. And if you listen to Admiral Byrd's diary, he's been there and he says it's a whole another world Whoa. underneath there. I mean, it could be. I just, you know, I can barely, like, get to work on time. So how am I going <laughs> to? Yeah, so I don't know. What kind so, of, I don't know. Is there anything just one of those prior things. to uh, the Germans, like, talking about that? Is there anything in history prior to that where it's like, uh, like do they, like, discover it? Or is it, like, something that was known you know, is there any annotation of that historically prior to the Germans? I don't know any annotations before okay. the Nazis, huh. to be honest. Well, they're kind of far away. It's and it could be too that maybe we didn't have the technology to get there yeah, or to do anything did, with it. They did have all. You know what I mean, tech. like it's so they had all the, tech. the Germans, Germany. Yeah. Oh, absolutely! Oh, absolutely! They did. And then, not only did we steal it from them, but uh, we took all their scientists yeah. and brought them over to America. Yep. Yeah. 
yeah. Operation Paperclip. That was, that was a big yeah. one. People really, uh, when I'm doing my uh, psycho streams, people really, like, they want to know, they're like, tell us about Operation Paperclip. Like, why do you guys want to talk about Paperclip all the time? It is, it is significant. It is significant. And I guess it is a kind of a paradigm bender, you know, in your perspective, like when you first learn about it. Uh, but, you know, for anybody unfamiliar with that, uh, paperclip is basically the process where the uh, Russians and the United States uh, carved up Germany after World War II. The, the Russians, you know, uh, the paperclip side of it is the American operation. There's a, there's a Russian equivalent, and that was mostly material uh, resources. Uh, so production equipment, um, you know, uh, bulk, bulk uh, storage of, uh, you know, chemicals and minerals and stuff like that. And uh, like all, all that kind of stuff, but mostly, mostly equipment, like machining equipment and uh, guns and stuff like that for the, uh, for the Americans, <clears throat> for the Americans, it was all of their IP and their scientists. So it was like, nuke technology it was uh uh what's that space technology <clears throat> yeah space, space technology, rockets uh, the germans the german uh, i'm sure people know about like the v2 so the v1 which are which are the v stands for vengeance in in you know in deutsch so they they developed these things uh in anticipation of england like firebombing them. Sure enough, uh, England did firebombing. And so they were like, release that V, the vengeance. And then they, and then they shot the V ones, which were like 1940s technology, you know, guided missiles. They were cruise missiles. Uh, and then they, they were, uh, kind of expensive. And so they switched to the V two. They used like hydrogen peroxide fuel. So they took like commonly available hydrogen peroxide, turned it into rocket fuel, and they shot it all the way to England. It's just like crazy. And then, and then that stuff, you know, of course that goes into like modern rocket development with, you know, I mean, they still, they still use some hydrogen peroxide stuff for NASA. But most of it's like, most of it's like ammonium perchlorate and stuff, but it's just very advanced. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's really crazy because they don't like in the history books to talk about Germany in any kind of positive light whatsoever. It's just like shove that fucker under the rug, rug and stomp on it. And uh, they, I mean, they had the predecessor to our night vision technology, like analog night vision tubes. Uh, I mean, they had like, you know, uh, cryptography, like advanced communications stuff, uh, like electrical systems, like all kinds of stuff. It's crazy. It's amazing yeah, they didn't well, win the war. Yeah, well. With they, all the technology. The reason that they didn't win it, which is pretty it's pretty obvious when you uh, like really research it. So, so for example, like I, I give you a quick example that's kind of exemplary of this. The, so like the tiger tank, right? So there's lots of stories about the tiger tank uh, being very formidable, right? Now the king tiger, the king tiger was kind of like a uh, big lemon. Uh, they didn't. I think they only made like five of those or something somewhere. I'm sure somebody will correct me. But the uh, like the the tiger tanks were just extremely uh, effective tanks. They got built in, in Kursk in uh, in uh, Russia, so so they got built under Soviet supervision, right? Like that was their testing ground to like develop this fucker. You know what I'm saying? They they used the Germany because they're because they're locked in against the uh, Allies during the course of development. Germany produced all of its fuel 
via a, uh, a technical patent from Standard Oil, which is which would be the uh, Fisher Tropes process of converting coal because they didn't they couldn't get fuel imported because it was a uh, an internet you know the international press was like we are uh, going to completely ban any trade with Germany like do not trade with Germany you can't sell them anything you can't buy anything from them. so they're sanctioned so they're, so they're sanctioned cut off and this went on from this was from nineteen this started in nineteen thirty three and it went all the way until the invasion of Poland. And so that entire time, they were developing their war industry. They developed the MP40 submachine gun, which was the, you know, I mean, it was pretty advanced, you know, for the time because they're, yeah, yeah. So they have a little nine millimeter submachine gun that they can give to officers and tankers and stuff. And it's just, it's a very, you know, they they developed that in Switzerland. So they they developed that in Switzerland. You know who else is in Switzerland? The bankers. All all the bankers live in Switzerland. Or they have, like, you know, summer houses there. The, uh, the uh, what what the hell else? The technical patent is through Fisher Tropes. That's where they take coal, which they have a lot of, and they could turn it into you know they could process it into all of their fuels. Now back then this was like highly you know it's it's private. It's not government. It's from Standard Oil, but this is like an industry secret that is extremely. I mean you're you're basically talking about like the world you know thinks that fuel comes from oil and that's it. And like there is no scientific knowledge of how you could take other things. And just turn them into fuel. So, like Standard Oil passed through through a subsidiary. They have a, a, a German subsidiary that's registered and chartered in Germany, and uh, they transferred the patent to Germany, and then they were able to make all of their fuel for their war effort. Now, at the hey, same Doug, time, it's all under financial watch, right? So, hey, can you hear me? You don't need a recording device. Oh, you don't, you don't need a recording back. device if you're doing all the loans. Okay. Yeah, you're coming through. Am I not uh, coming through? No, no, no. I got, I got no, dropped you, from you the are. audio. Hello. On my second phone that has no connection other than Wi-Fi, so I'm able to join back on through this uh, janky session. <laughs> I was, uh, I was just getting ready when Dugan finished uh, to uh, go ahead and uh, close out. But uh, now that you're back, uh, you're more than welcome to. Uh, I was I was just gonna say like. I was just gonna say you don't need a spy or a recording device if you do all the loans. That's it. Mm. True that. Excellent point. All right. I'm going to call this the end yeah, of the Yeah, let's wrap this up. That was, this is a good episode. Heck. This is excellent. Right? I, I had such a great time, guys. Yeah, I really fun. appreciate you having me on. We are going to give you the honor. Where the hell did Cliff go? want you back in the future. Right, Doug? <laughs> okay. Well, it looks like – let's see. You're, are you still there, Sophia? Well, can I can you, hear you now. Can you I can hear you now, Dark. Yeah. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, but you can't hear – I can't hear uh, light. light though? I got no light. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. So then, uh, Light, I'm sorry. I can hear you. However, uh, Sophia, can you hear him or no? I can, yes. Okay. Well, let's just go ahead and do this. Um, so, Sophia, we give uh, all of our guests the honor of naming the podcast. Okay. And that's why if you go through our uh, history, you'll see some very unique and bizarre names. Uh, so based on the last two and a half <laughs> hours that we together. It might uh, be. Is this no, your longest podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
shoot, I didn't make it. Oh no, it was great. It was great. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Um, what what do you think would be a, a fitting name for the for the cast? For everything we talked about today. Yeah. Um. Okay. Are you ready? I am ready. Welcome Perfect. to the Twilight Zone. Oh, I like good. that. Do you think? Do we do we need to worry about copyright? Uh, oh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's awesome! Oh, can we say welcome to the Twilight Zone, featuring Sophia? Yes. <laughs> do, 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 do. Hey, Dark, that's good. Print it. Can you let Dugan know that uh, as soon as we everybody have a good night? It was off. fantastic uh, talking to you all. Thanks for having hey, me. Hang on. Well, lights talking. Uh, uh, lights still saying something. Uh, let Dad, Dugan know what we're gonna call. Shit, am I just talking over? I'm just talking over a clip. Sorry, man. Yeah, he. No, it's all good. It's all good. This, this. When you get more than three people on this, it gets kind of funky. So, yeah, um, Dugan. Um, he's saying that uh, he's going to give you a call, and uh, he's going to have uh, your boy. I'm going to call Sophia first, too. and he's going to call Sophia first. Guys, thank you so much, Dark Light Dugan, rocking it again. You guys are the best. Be safe, and be dangerous. Good night. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Right. Good night.